Hey Jess, how does the guitar part go? It kind of sounds like Oh, like this? Take my pod, take my cast Take me where the shows don't last I don't care, I still see Episodes I pay to stream No more din, no more moff No more take that helmet off Now that Mando's off Disney You can watch Firefly with me Hello, and welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 13 of the Sudden But Inevitable Rewatch. Let me rephrase that. Welcome to episode 13 of the award-winning Sudden But Inevitable Rewatch. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, brown coats and Trekkies alike. We have been voted by the people as the podcast of the week. Of course, I'm referring to the contest that is run weekly by It Goes Down in the PM on Twitter for indie podcasters to summon the support of their wonderful fans. So naturally, that's the kind of thing that we were very interested in. And you guys, I just, before we go anywhere, I have to say thank you. Thank you so much. You turned out in the ridiculous droves that you are. And we went from third to first in a matter of hours like it it was so crazy to watch it happen live on twitter it was like the podcasting super bowl is how i put it to a fellow podcaster i was like this is the coolest thing ever and i can't believe you know what i'm not going to put it that way i can believe that we won because it's entirely because of you guys you guys are the reason that we won yes we're putting out a show but without you, this show wouldn't be what it is. So thank you, thank you, thank you, everyone here, especially those of you in the live chat. Hello, Rona. Hello, Saxon. Hello, Rosie. Hello, Callie. Rosie, I'm so glad you made it. She had a long drive tonight, and she still is here to watch live. Callie, I know that it's a little later than normal for you, so you get to have, like, you know, some relaxation and extra sleep before this episode. So thank you for being with us, and I'm glad that we could offer you a little bit of extra respite this week. Now, I am your host, Captain Bootscoot, a.k.a. Vanilla Husband, a.k.a. Jesse. I, of course, am joined this week, as I am every week, by our certified companion, Mr. Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D., how is your shuttle holding up this week? Doing good. Everything's been real smooth this week. Got off a little bit early from work, so I've been able to prepare for everything. Very nice. I noticed that you were finally able to get a catalyzer installed on your shuttle, and you sound amazing, may I say. Well, thank you. It has been, it was worth the effort, let's just say. And ladies and gentlemen, he is downplaying the level of effort that he put into this. Ricky D has been through heck and back to get himself sounding beautiful, just like we know he really does. So thank you, Ricky D. We appreciate the effort. Now, we do also have with us our two Firefly first-timers, the fearless leader of the Twist My Arm podcast network, Josh, and his co-life host, Kylie. Josh and Kylie, how are you guys doing this week? 
We did. We're great. We're doing great. We're winners. We're winners. Yes. It's been a great week all around. I'm so happy to hear that. I can't help but agree. I The next day at work, I that was so actually I woke up to the news that we had won. When I went to sleep, I tweeted, I feel like some of our European listeners are waking up right now. And then when I woke up, we had won this contest. So ah, you're right, you guys. It's been a great week. Now, we're getting close to the end of our run, folks. And I'm not going to dwell on that too much because it's going to make me cry. So I'm not going to do it. What I'm going to do instead is I'm going to invite the last guest that we have scheduled for the regular run of this series. Now, that's kind of an interesting way to phrase it, because this is also the first guest that we had on our run with this little series. Of course, I'm referring to Mr. David Black of the Patreon Spatial Anomaly. Mr. David Black, welcome back. Thank you for joining us. How are you doing this week? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm like a recurring guest star. I'm like Christina Hendricks. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, I hope you don't cause quite that much trouble, but... Well, you know, the night is I young. I do. I hope you cause all the trouble. <laughs> Congratulations on the award, by the way. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I, I, I will admit, I did fail to promote you as like a buxom redhead. And had I done that, we may have more live viewers and listeners right now, but I'm glad to have the real David Black here. And, and yes, I think that our run of greatness, like I'm, I promise you, I'm not saying this. I think Josh, Kylie, and Ricky will agree with me. Our run of getting good at this show began when you came on. That was the first introduction that we had to guests and insight that we would not have brought to this show otherwise. So I want to thank you, first of all, for being our first guest. And I want to thank you, second of all, for being the final guest in the regular run of the series. This is, I, I'm so glad that you were able to do this. And ladies and gentlemen, again, with the effort and appreciation, because I think I contacted David on Wednesday or Tuesday and was like, hey, I'm a terrible person and I forgot to send this thing, but uh, here's the situation. And here we are. So everybody, if you would join me in thanking David, I appreciate it so much that you chose to join us. Don't worry about it. We're, we're stoked. We're, we're stoked. <laughs> we're always stoked to have guests. So, I love having guests we're, on we're, the show with us. As we're, we're beyond as stoked. Talking about things and it's great to have a recurring guest especially so thank you for coming back i think i think it's the first time we've ever been able to say that well we've had people on twist my arm more than once but that's this is you are i think you're going to be the only recurring guest on this particular season of sudden but inevitable yes i said it out loud i implied that there will be another season so yes we're we're very happy um now Everyone in the chat's even excited. Look at that, Callie. You got Saxon. David, huzzah. I just want to point oh, out that David needs to be careful because I started out as a recurring guest. <laughs> so don't get pulled into anything. We, yes. Don't you mean Jesse we'll, we'll... and I have to be careful? <laughs> He'll be like, hey, guess what, Ricky D? We're starting a new podcast. Um, so I know that this is just nothing but mirth and positivity and i really love that and i promise i'm not going to interfere with it i am going to take a really quick moment here to say that it kind of would be irresponsible of us to not address that this particular episode of firefly does feel a little bit i'm going to call it extra icky in certain 
parts just because of the recent developments regarding the show's creator and things like that it it does contain a pretty gratuitous use of the word whore so if that's something that may end up coming up in discussion of it as well so if that's something that you don't want to hear or that you don't you know want to be around for this is probably your your stepping off point and none of us will hold that against you we appreciate you no matter what but we don't want you to have anything other than a good time here at sudden but inevitable because i I know that you know this, but we have a blast on Sudden But Inevitable. Well, I have a blast. I can't speak for you guys, but I have a ton of fun every week. So I th this is where we're going, right? From there, we're going 100% against the wall of fun. We're going to throw it at it and see what sticks. Normally here, we would do corrections of Goran mistakes that we made in the last episode. Now, we don't really have... A correction here we did get a fun clarification from Rona she sent it into the show email and she was explaining uh, if you remember in the last episode, uh, Simon takes Kaylee into the bazaar tent and they see the alien life form quote-unquote right and it's just a mutated cow fetus apparently that's something that they've been doing for a long time like that's a, a thing from actual sideshows where they would take uh, you know a deformed animal fetus and put it in a jar and show it to big city folk who had you know no idea what they were seeing and go look at that isn't that crazy and so it was a nice little touch of really gross realism there and thank you very much rona for pointing it out also rona i'm very sorry if anybody ever calls you Rhonda in association with our show it's two things first it's entirely my fault for calling you Rhonda in the first place second the name rona autocorrects to Rhonda in America, and it's it's just a laziness thing. So I apologize on behalf of anyone who ever has accidentally passed that misnomer along. You know that we love you, Rona. You know that we love you, Callie. You know that we love you, Saxon and Rosie. We also just love everybody, and that's what makes this show so difficult to get through. So other than that clarification, I don't think that I have any corrections. Ricky D, Josh, or Kylie, do you guys have any corrections from last week? I don't, I think we're pretty much good. I'm solid. Let me just let me check my notes real quick. Yeah, I'm uh, good. Yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing. This is what happens when you're on a, an award-winning podcast. Yeah, it's just <laughs> everything flows super oh, smoothly. You're, There's you're never no... gonna let that one down, are you? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Any mistake? Well, but now... Oh, nice award-winning podcast now... over here. <laughs> But think about it this way, David. Now on Spatial Anomaly, you can say David Black, amazing writer and award-winning podcast guest. Like there's just another <laughs> credential for you. So you're welcome. I mean, that's nice. Yeah, dude. Had that resume. So with that understanding and all of this just you guys, I'm bursting at the seams. We're gonna have to get going if we have any hope of finishing this episode tonight. So let's do what we normally do here. Let's pass this over to Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D for the synopsis of season one, sorry, episode 13, Heart of Gold. Yeah, season one, episode 13. This was directed by Thomas J. Wright, written by Brett Matthews. This episode did not air. Nandy, Inara's friend and former companion, asks her for help. She needs to defend her brothel from Rance Burgess, a powerful man who impregnated Petaline, one of her employees. 
he is determined to take the baby out once it is born. Mal and Nandy have sex the night before the battle. When Inara finds out, she is deeply hurt. The crew successfully defends the brothel, but Burgess kills Nandy before being captured. Petaline shows Burgess the newborn son and then shoots him. Afterwards, Inara tells Mal that she has decided to leave the ship. So, before we go any further, let's acknowledge it. This episode never aired. How, how just crime? Like, I mean, okay, it aired, right? Like, they showed it on TV eventually, but in the original run, they didn't air this. And I'm, like, not to spoil anything, but this is a very, very good episode. Like, development I, heavy. I, yeah, to, to, to learn that, even as somebody who knows it, just to hear it again, it's kind of upsetting. <laughs> like, really? Well, I mean, this one, not, okay. not to skip completely from the synopsis to the very end of the episode but like <laughs> that bombshell at the end for that not to yeah. air like and i haven't seen the last episode obviously so i don't know how that plays out in the last episode but like i feel like not having this air and then having an episode come in later where they're talking about that bombshell I, that would just be confusing right yeah it and it would be like potentially infuriating i would think so what I wrote down was, <laughs> what I wrote down was, as we zoom in to this little moon, I immediately remember the entire episode, and I'm gritting like an idiot. Like I, it was just like, ah, oh, yes, here we are. I'm so ready for this. My body is ready. And then I wrote down, Petaline is pretty bad at hiding. Like, you, you didn't, you had, you, I mean, you had minutes, right? Like there was time. And, and it was like, around the corner. <laughs> well, yeah. we saw him like showing up on his land speeder from miles away and he was being so flanked by horses. Speeder. Like she could have gotten into a basement. I, anything, was like the, anything she yeah, could have done. The steamroller from Austin Powers. No. <laughs> it's it's the flanked by horses, isn't it? It's the, it's the idea that that thing's got a top speed, but actually, no, I'm going to stay with my buddies on the horses and I'm just going to showboat this. Are you sure that yeah. land speeder didn't have a top speed of like 20 miles an hour? <laughs> well, no, I guess I'm like not. It. <laughs> it's, yeah, it could have been, could have just been like a, a utility speeder, right? Like for like all a, we know. Like a Vespa. Speeder. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> like that's a scooter. Yeah, that's fair. It's the fastest just, thing on this moon, but who knows what that means. Yeah. But, exactly. Yeah, and she might as well have just hidden behind a curtain with her feet sticking out underneath. <laughs> <laughs> And her pregnant belly pushing like, out the curtain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which one is she? And then I, so the next note that I made was, it has been two minutes and 14 seconds. I want this man dead. Like, I just, I'm ready for it. Like, let's put a bullet in this guy. Like, I try not to be overly, you know, watch with a lot of vengeance or whatever. But like, it's just like, dude. As soon as he started talking, I was like, oh, this, I'm going to be so satisfied at the end of this episode because I know how it goes. So I was just, I was so ready for it. And yeah, I, okay. So I think I did write down, I think if Firefly were made now, he gets killed in this scene. They just shoot him in the face. And then it's like his brother or something that comes to, you know, have revenge on the whole house. Yeah, like, if this were made in 2020 or 2021, she would have shot him in the face in the opening scene. I think that would have happened, so. Well, I don't um, want to, 
I wanted to hit on something that happens a little bit later. The community yeah. of men that he like rustles up. It seems like he's in a town of 100% men. <laughs> and there's yeah. the brothel with the women that are over here. And there's yeah. the town with the men over here. So I imagine <laughs> somebody from Mantown would have come to avenge him. Mantown. <laughs> I'm to make a trade. Well, well man, leader, manly leader from Mantown had a wife. Well, that's so... true. Yeah, he did. Okay, so I was going to say... No, there were women at that party, I think. So I think what it, they're implying is that most of the men in this town have wives, but they also pretty much spend all their weekends down at the heart of the old brothel. Yeah. My first note I mean, for yeah. this episode was this is going to be a love fest, isn't it? Because the previously on <laughs> oh Firefly my gosh, yeah. was all about everyone in their different well and i thought it was going to be more about like kaylee and simon because the flashback yeah. was all about yeah. kaylee and simon. how misleading was it that? Is so misleading like kaylee has three lines in this entire episode I, right she's yeah she's barely in it <laughs> and yeah and so the whole episode i'm like okay when's the love fest gonna happen and then it happened and then there was a lot of death so <laughs> it kind of it was a very misleading intro for totally this, you know yeah, and also, and they made that it DNA device that that guy used was nuts. Overly aggressive DNA extraction device. Like you can you can swab people's cheeks now, right? Like that's yeah, that's just mean. That guy did that. So I think it, but it sticks to the point that they make about him, where they say he just likes to show off his toys. Like he's not doing any of this because he has to, right? Like, it looked like that so. thing in the Matrix that they stick on Neo's <laughs> yeah, chest it and it like puts that yeah. bug in him. That's what I was thinking. You, you think the little yeah. DNA device? It, it definitely a, doesn't look good for the baby, does it? Yeah. No, it immediately. Not. You're like, I, I can't. I, I just immediate. And that's, I think, probably when I wrote down, I want this guy dead. Like he, he was too familiar, too fast, too close, too violent. I would like to say hello to the intrepid DM, Roy, in live chat. Welcome, Roy. We are very happy to have you here. So the next thing that I wrote down is actually after this intro scene with all of this. So, David, did you have any specific thoughts on this that you wanted to share before we kind of move past, I guess, the theme song of the TV show? <laughs> um, it's it's interesting, isn't it, that uh, this this episode is kind of the last of that uh, it's it's one of the last three that was was bought by fox and they're they're sort of all structured i think around a, a central performance so there was trash with saffron there's the message with tracy and now there's nandy or rance burgess depending on i guess i think it's clear pretty clear it's nandy um and uh it's a time when the studio was nervous and uh, not so keen on the western elements and you watch the tra the teaser for this episode, and it's like the most Western thing that's ever happened. Hmm. This is John Wayne riding into the sunset on the back of Clint Eastwood. This is the most <laughs> Western thing ever. You can put a tin, you can put a tin foil layer on your house, but this is this is so Western, certainly to Europeanize, you know. Yeah, and they they have this like. Be, Okay, I'm going to address two things. First, I'm going to address the first part where they say last time on Firefly and then explain and it's apparently a show exclusively about romantic tension. 
And you're like, oh, okay. I thought it looks like a space western, but okay. But then, yes, you get this, like, it goes from that immediately into, no, it's it's a space western. It, don't worry. Don't worry. It's a space western. You're fine. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, let's let's do this. Uh, best little whorehouse in Texas combined with Die Hard a little bit. Like, yeah, I'm, okay, let's go for it. Like, Or I guess the Alamo. We'll come up with puns later, but... Um, we have this scene at the at the table, right, where Mal is um, cleaning his weapon, uh, handling his weapon, and Inara sneaks up on him. I personally thought that the best joke in that scene was when Mal said, this is the only place with a table big enough. Uh, Ricky D, what did you have for this? I just wanted to ask, does anybody else have people in their lives that just freak out anytime they walk into a room? Like, if they've got their back to you and you walk into the room, they just, ah, just like Mal did when Inara walked yes. in. Yes, yes, I've actually met a couple dudes like that um, where you go, you go into a restaurant. <laughs> I'm actually, no, I'm kind of like that. Um, you go into a restaurant and you have to have your back facing the bed. You know, you know, you got to see what's coming. You got to be prepared for. You sound like Tony yeah. Soprano. <laughs> <laughs> She's a bar leader. I'm just she likes to like. On the bar. I'm just like Tony Soprano. Makes I know sense. we haven't met, but so nobody can be behind her. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. I am. I I am like that. That's a thing that people have. Um, it's yeah. So I bet Mal it's is totally all over that. <laughs> I was just telling a coworker today about how my lovely and saintly wife loves to watch slasher flicks and you know horror thrillers and stuff like that. But if I happen to like be in a room that she doesn't expect me in, her immediate reaction is to like throw her hands in the air and go ah. And it's like, <laughs> I live you here. You know, I live from... here, right? <laughs> right. And and beyond that, like, shouldn't your response immediately be like attack? Oh, oh, sorry, I didn't realize you weren't somebody here. You know, out of sorts. I would figure like, her her res- immediate response would be to run up the stairs, right? With most of those. Well, we don't. Flicks. <laughs> we're 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 all on one level now, so that's not a problem. But... Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. She's struggling with the screen door. Yeah, yeah. Screaming she... <laughs> the back door, fumbling the locks. Yeah. <laughs> I... And it's funny because when it happens to me, right? Like when she scares me, I make a very loud exhaling sound, like yeah. And that actually usually in turn scares her. So then she does her thing and it's like, <laughs> we're, I, I promise that we're not like neurotic. It's just like, we both work long hours and we have a two year old and yeah. That, I say, you're, that your poor kid, anytime she walks in the room, you guys are both like, ah! <laughs> I know, she, like my parents are terrified of each other. <laughs> I, not to be too sappy, but she's the one thing that I'm pretty easily like, you know, a hundred percent around. So um, the, the next note that I made was when, when Inara says everybody, all the petty crooks know, you know, your small concealable firearms go to the left of the place setting. Mal gives her a look that to me says, please continue to wax poetic about firearms. I love the way that he looks like the looks that they both shoot each other through this whole episode. Right. Oh, like God. I was a little bit, like you guys <laughs> like yeah oh they're not hiding anything <laughs> yeah making you blush over there jesse yeah i was like wow guys like yeah you no, guys really want it like dang cut was, that tension with a knife yeah i was a little more yeah dirty and about it. i looked at kylie i was like oh they go and just <laughs> <laughs> and then 
and then she so when um nandy hangs up on inara or when she gets off the wave with inara ready she says may may now i know through my like fifth level knowledge of mandarin that that means little sister so immediately i'm like oh that's her sister and i kind of went through most of this episode thinking that it was her sister because i was like it, i'm pretty sure it is and then they kind of explain at the end no it's not her sister i was like oh okay whoops but hey i know what may may means so well, that's like a pretty sister cool. of sorts i mean yeah well sister yeah like so i learned something by watching firefly you guys that makes me so happy so then we get the scene where mal is explaining like hey everyone um this is a lost cause we're all down for lost causes right and everybody's like yep cool not a big deal except for jane who has a bit of an issue with it until mal elaborates slightly and then i got a really 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 good meme for this moment from callie d and the way that we do this is we tease that and then say follow us on twitter at sudden butt to see that meme because it is choice let me tell you so i have a question here uh at any point during the show, was Mal's side in the war, were they referred to as the independence? I think so. I think it was the independence versus the alliance, right? Yeah. I think yeah. they mentioned so, in like the movie at the very beginning. Right. So then when he chooses to describe the ladies of the Heart of Gold as independent workers, you're like, okay, he's going to go. He's de he's definitely going to go save these people, right? Like, you're sold on it. Um. I, I also noticed, well, I didn't notice, Tally D also pointed out to me, because she got her rewatch in before I did this week, there is a Balinese shadow puppet show in this. Did you guys uh -huh. see that? Josh I and Kylie? saw it. Yep. I Josh know. and Kylie, did we skip over something? Oh, the scene when they transfer to the party right away, the first thing you see is shadow puppets on the wall, and then there's one line of Mandarin, and anyways. Uh, sorry, Josh, I felt like I may have skipped over a point you were trying to make. Um, I just wanted to kind of bring into question, like, because, look, they, they straight up just immediately, you know, oh, they're whores. Um, mm. That's basically what Anara referred to them as. If they weren't registered, right. then they were considered whores. And I find that very interesting that if you don't register yourself, then mm. even if you're doing the same stuff that Anara is doing as a companion, mm -hmm. since you're not legally registered, you're considered a whore. The double standard, classic. Yeah. It's and it's very classic double standard that the, I just I found very funny in this. That you know, not funny, but like ironic, I guess. <laughs> typical, yeah. Go ahead, Ricky. The way that I kind of took that as is, if you're a professional contractor, uh, maybe you're a professional carpenter, that kind of thing, and then there's somebody else that's doing a similar job, but they don't have all those credentials. You kind of go, that's a handyman. That's oh, right, not right. a carpenter. That's a handyman. Totally. That's kind of how I took it. And it's an apt analogy, I think. The analogy is apt, but I think that the spirit behind it is more pernicious. Like, it, with the use of the word specifically, and, and not from not coming from Inara, right? But coming from, like, the society that they're in, as far as, like, the, the societal tiers, which I'm pretty sure is something that our guest David Black brought up the first time he was here. David, do you have any thoughts on this? Well, it feels like it's supposed to be a payoff. It feels like it's supposed to be... Mal's used the word uh, again and again when he's referred to Inara, almost week in, week out. And now here we hear, hear 
we hear Inara say it, and it feels like it should be some sort of release. It should be a shock. It should be a moment that we that we stand back and think this is extraordinary. It doesn't play like that um, to me because um, the the word is so loaded, and um, it's it's strange that we've we've never really had that distinction between companion and whore and prostitute and whatever other words you might use. Uh, it feels like companion. Yes, they're registered. But it feels like they're putting a lot of faith in the incense and the fancy frock and you know the tea ceremony um and and that just feels like that's i mean that feels like w window dressing doesn't it so it's 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 very strange that i've seen people sort of write about this episode that it draws the distinction between the two roles i don't think it does I, you know i think yeah. i think that would have been really interesting to try and do and they and and it doesn't it just bluntly says these women are whores and sort of implies that's all they could ever be, which is a really uncomfortable place to be. Right. And it, and not even necessarily because of something, you know, in their own actions. It's just because of their circumstance, which, of course, speaks to the problematic nature of it. Right. And it's just like it, it, I think it does serve to point out like this is, you know, they call it the oldest profession. Right. So it's got to be the oldest societal issue that happens when worlds are getting settled or towns are getting settled, you know, new frontiers are being tamed. That's going to be one of the first things to crop up that needs to be dealt with. And for me, it's like they have Nandi sort of explain it. I think the most satisfying for me because she's like, you know, she could have been head priestess, this, that, and the other thing. And I realized, you know what, that's a lot of restrictions. And then she's like, so here it's the same work, except there's fewer restrictions. So it's like, they're both, she's sort of establishing that both of them are not, neither of them are necessarily 100%, um, have 100% agency, right? Like all of them have somebody that's in some kind of control sitting a, a tier above them somewhere even if it's maybe not as much of a cut that they take when you're a registered companion somebody's still taking a cut it sounds like um so quickly back to the balinese shadow puppets which ricky d also has going on on his wall tonight um <laughs> wash had mentioned this a few episodes back so when we first cut to the party we have this shot of the shadow puppets going on the wall now i would just like to say this party, not as much fun as the party from Shindig. But as we talk about the party, let's have David go first. David, what are your thoughts on this party scene? It's just, just the thought that, you know, this melding of the, the, the superpowers, you know, this Chinese influence, uh, it's, it's fantastic that this is finally the episode where we get not one but two Asian actors with lines. Uh, it's, it's a shame that, you know, you, the Balinese theater, uh, puppet theater guy, Obviously, I have no idea what he said. Uh, and so then, I have notes um, on that. Okay, um, I know it's it's translated and it's in the script book, but I, I I've never I didn't get around to reading it. And then um, uh, it's a shame that the other one is is that the the only woman that's represented uh, who's Asian is uh, a woman seemingly with no agency. But it still feels like we're getting somewhere. You know, uh, it feels like you watch yeah, Firefly. There should have been Asian actors everywhere. You know, right. They're pro like um, either Simon or River or both should be Asian. Like their last name is Tam. And I understand that they did it to show the melding of the cultures, right? Like this is just a common last name now. But I I don't know. 
I, that's kind of where I stand on it. But it's one of those things that I don't think I would over litigate about the show, given the other stuff there is to talk about about the show. But really quickly, on the note of the Mandarin spoken in the Chinese shadow puppet scene, um, I got this note from listener Callie D. So thank you, listener Callie D. When asked for the most difficult translation on Firefly, translator Jenny Lin responded, the most difficult translation required an hour-long, long-distance conference call between myself and my mother in Los Angeles and my cousin in New York City. The text was a paragraph-long poem about the earth that was for a Balinese puppet show in the Heart of Gold. The actor, Jim Lau, did a beautiful narration for it, but as luck would have it, not only did the episode not air in the States, only a partial phrase from the poem remains in the final cut. This is Jenny Lin's answer to a questionnaire and an email attachment to the author from November 11th, 2004. So fairly, like, uh, contemporary with the show itself. Uh, Josh, what did you say? You've got the the poem? Would you like me to read the poem? Is it in English? Could we have Kylie read it? It is in English. <laughs> and yes, we can absolutely have Kylie read it. <laughs> I could read it. Okay. Little by little, the human race completely used up the resources of Mother Earth. Having become desolate, she could not provide. The plunderers left fully laden with loot. The earth that Genesis had given rise to for the first time felt alone. The earth, because of the rapacious acts of the human race, sobbed her heart out. Tears of misery overflowed for a century. The fire that destroyed her, like a blessing from heaven, it finally came. Whoa, that's a okay. good poem. So yeah <laughs> i'll be in my notebook so the uh the, the thing that i i i that must just be devastating for that translator to have done that amount of detailed work to bring that gorgeous piece to the screen to then a not only have it cut and then b not have it aired wow like i don't you guys i can make uh an award-winning level podcast but i don't know that i could make something in hollywood there would be so much going on that i would just be so unhappy with like i mean you guys know me i'm a control freak that's why i edit this show immediately after it's over like i have to i have to have my hands on it like i don't know if i could do that um i do really love that once they're explaining to the girls like okay here's how you have a last stand ladies I really like that Wash pretends to know what's up. That scene of him going, yeah, t uh, four, four by three point. That should, that should do. That's cool. Yeah. Like, I just love Wash playing along, you guys. Remember when Wash went along and played Heist and now Wash is hanging out playing standoff? Like, Wash has so much fun. I, I love Wash. And I love that he, like, towards the end of the episode, suddenly realizes, Oh, I was supposed to, I was supposed to help with that thing. I forgot about that entirely. Like he doesn't keep the, the walkie-talkie. I love that in the episode he says, "I'm the funny one here. Everybody loves me." <laughs> like he's talking Everybody to us, that's funny. right? And it's like, <laughs> the, it's the show telling the audience, like, "Hey, in case this is the first episode you're watching, um, it's Wash over." Is the funny so one. yeah. <laughs> It's it's almost as well. Uh, it's strange because I mean, Wash is hilarious. Alan Tudyk's hilarious, and Wash gets the funny lines. But Morena Baccarin is a really, really funny, funny actress. You know, you see her in shows like um, Our Mrs. Reynolds and the you know I Only Fellas All stuff. She's really funny, 
And so going into this episode, you could be forgiven for thinking this was going to be a barrel of laughs. And, <laughs> and there are none for her. I don't know yeah. if this was a typo, but adorkable is probably no, not a my typo. favorite word. No. Okay. okay. Not a typo. <laughs> okay. Adorkable. And you have to say it how Kylie just said it. That's the only way you can say it. I got it. I got it. I got it. So I, I said that I really like that Wash is pretending to know what's up and that Jane has no qualms defending a girl he slept with or braiding her hair for that matter. I um, right. that was awesome. Wasn't it? It was just so so nice of him. Well, one of the domestic. things of Jane. One of the things for Jane's character is he's always touching things. In every single scene, he's always got his hands and he's just getting into mm -hmm. stuff. So that includes the girl's Maybe. hair who he was just with. <laughs> so keen-eared listeners or people binging us all at once which is a thing i know some of you do so thank you i love you will notice that i have said before jane is a kinetic learner he has to touch the thing he has to be able to cut out it with his knife he has to be able to clean it and see how it works to understand it and that's why he's so good with guns and i bet his love language is probably physical touch he seems to be pretty uh, nice yes. to the ladies, pretty into, into uh, I mean, I, 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 I guess the one thing I noticed is that he didn't have to be nice to any of these ladies, but he was. And he's always, he well, always and the seems one, to be nice to them. The one that he found, uh, she was into him. Like, she oh, was yeah. into the she thug did you, guy. I noticed yeah. he, showed her, he showed her Vera, and I was like, um, I feel like this is a big deal. <laughs> the moment, you guys. And she was, like, getting into it, too. That's cause... like his engagement ring. It's like, yeah. you know, he <laughs> Vera to his wife one day. <laughs> and yeah. he's like, and he's like, and here's all my guns. Just keep handing me the big ones. The next <laughs> biggest one. Yeah, and she's like, all right, yeah. yes, yeah. I love this. This is awesome. We're gonna get some kills. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... Okay, I have two things that I would like to throw out here. The first thing, Roy, the intrepid DM in the chat has said, Wash is socially awkward, and I think an episode where he had to act as the crew's face would have been great. That is brilliant. Like, you give me an episode where somebody has seen Mal before or has never seen Mal before, right? And they're like, we for some reason, he has to pretend to be Mal. That would have been great. That's an excellent point, Roy. The second thing I have is actually a question. And here, for the order for this, let's go... Josh and Kylie, David, and then Ricky. Do we think Jane is a generous lover? Oh, totally. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Especially if he's always needing to do stuff with his hands. His <laughs> hands are probably everywhere. You know? <laughs> That's my thought. I feel, I feel like Kylie is the both of us. Never mind, you guys. Let's just go to the next thing. Uh... <laughs> go ahead, David or Ricky. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I think Kylie said it pretty well. I think he'd be very handsy, and I think I'm probably that would go over well. Hands. Well, and no. eager, too, you know? <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> Like it's the first and last time. <laughs> okay, so yeah, that's a great segue, Kylie, because as we know here at the Sudden But Inevitable Rewatch, as long as you do a thing with love, there is somebody who will appreciate you for it. 
And yes, I'm talking directly to you in the chat in a metaphorical way. 100%, of course, this just got weird. So I really love that as soon as everybody starts loading up their guns, right, the hero horns kick in on the score. It's like, bum, bum, bum. And you're like, okay, I'm so totally down for this. Let's have a good old fashioned Western shootout. So totally down for this. I forgot about the one gal who betrays the other gals. And that really upset me. Oh, yes, Saxon, we don't call her Wiley Kylie for nothing. You're very right. Thank you for bestowing the nickname upon her. We appreciate that. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I love the contrast when they're getting everything set up, right? I love the contrast between Book and Jane. They've got this moment where the girls are like, hey, Shepard, we've been talking about like, okay, what should... What what do we want said? And he's like, honey bear, no, no, it's you, you relax. Everything's gonna be okay. This is a regular day for these folks. Everything is fine. And then they smash cut to Jane going, basically everyone here is gonna die. And when that happens, <laughs> what's gonna happen after that? It's like <laughs> such a such a good like jump cut. I I just love that. Like the the mishmash between those two scenes was so well done. I feel and, like they did that with Jane and Book a lot in this episode where they would show his reaction to something and then show Book's reaction to something. Like yep. when Jane was talking to the ladies when they first <gasps> get there and he's like, oh yeah, this is awesome. And Book is like, ha, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll pray with you. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely pretty awkward. Jane's like, yes. Uh, how many? Yes, absolutely. How all all of you come with me. Like, uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> right when everybody's getting ready for battle that's the same time that we're also green tr we're trying to birth petaline's baby mm. so that scene was also kind of worked in there and river mm -hmm. was so adorable being a part of the delivery room the way she, she was like she kept acting like she was part of the team and who knows yeah. maybe so, she was doing a little thing. something yeah, and the thing that I love about this scene is they just, usually when you see a birth happen on TV, especially in a show that's not about like a hospital or a mother, that birth takes place over the course of about 14 seconds. There's one scream, there's one real loud push, and then a nine-month baby comes out beautifully all wiped off and clean, and it's like, Oh, okay, that was over. I really like that they stretched it out. Maybe that's not the proper word. I really like that they took some time with the birth here, right? They were like, let's let's show that sometimes it's not a quick and easy thing. Let's start with labor. Let's start with false labor, and let's just have her in some pain and delirium, and then we'll go to the next step, you know? And they, they managed to make it span a good chunk of the episode. And I think it was, if not realistic, it was closer to realistic than a lot of tv births that you see and they've also right before we get the scene with um mal learning everything there is to learn about inara we have this baby being born and we have the washes discussing a baby being let me rephrase that we have zoe telling wash a baby will be born <laughs> like i love that she just tells him period right like we're gonna have a baby end of discussion and and the line that she used on him, I'm not so afraid of having 
however she phrased it, it hits you really hard, right? Like, and I just, I really, I, I love that they are, like Ricky was saying, you know, they're putting all these scenes together. You've got stress, you've got everybody getting ready. Now you've got a baby happening. Like it's kind of just building the stress up and up and up as it goes. And it's just like, and then, and then we get the scene where we learn everything there is to know. Like I said about Inara, Josh and Kylie, as our two first-time Firefly viewers, how are you guys feeling, first of all, when she's showing all her beautiful weapons to Mal? And then secondly, if there's anything you feel like you wanted to get out that I skipped up to this point, go ahead with that. Uh, uh, <laughs> Not ready? No, I, I think... I'm just going through my notes really quick. I'm sorry. Um, You're good. Ricky or David, did one of you guys have anything on this scene? I just wanted to say how how brilliant is it that that, that moment when River says it's starting, and um, Mal misunderstands oh, yeah. and thinks he's talking. She's talking about like the the attack or the raid or, or you know, and she means the labor. Uh, it's a brilliant way of showing you her abilities without her abilities taking over the show, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and a really nice way of showing that she's excited and then Mal goes to pieces. Absolutely, yeah. the unflappable yeah. in battle, Mal. As soon as there's a there's a baby on the way, oh my god, oh my god! Don't panic. <laughs> yeah, that, very Luke Picard of him. I wrote typical <laughs> dude. Nobody panic. Ha ha. <laughs> yeah, because he's, he's so cool, calm, and collective. And then the when someone goes into labor, I feel like that's that's probably how I would react if Kylie were to ever go into labor i'd probably be like huh, uh, okay uh get in the car uh do we have the bag you know, do i have my books uh everything is fine i'm gonna go ahead and say that that's probably true i would be in labor and i'd be like okay Should let's get like, to the car yeah, babe you're gonna yeah. drive me to the hospital yeah. now <laughs> okay everything and, is fine and i know this isn't really my place but you guys i'm really excited to make an announcement for josh and kylie and i no i'm totally kidding i'm 100 <laughs> percent. do you know something that we do <laughs> it's an it's an award-winning podcast you got to give the people spectacular sensational things kylie and josh so i'm just i'm totally kidding you guys i couldn't help this hat so. is Shepherd. pretty spectacular and sensational <laughs> It is, a, it is a baby yoda josh is with child currently thank you shepherd rosie I ain't so afraid of losing something that I ain't going to try to have it. And I really love that line because we also do get Nandy specifically saying later, I moved out here, I learned how to say ain't, and here we are. So for her to, for her, for Zoe to show, you know, I say ain't naturally, and then to hear that this other character had to remember to say ain't, I just, I love the, the contrast there between those two. Um, I like Rosie's uh comment here that was one of my favorites when kaylee and wash were kind of having the back and forth that was a great moment me, it reminded me of a conversation that josh and i would have being like <laughs> like you know like what do you think about me oh man yeah i would take that to bed and like because i'm yeah. pretty though yeah well, and you're like yes you're josh because you're pretty yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly so i i may be guilty of uh, potentially overusing the because I'm pretty gif on Twitter like most days like anytime somebody recommends that someone else listen to our show I post that gif like is it because I'm pretty 
and I just I think it's funny and really I'm just trying to stay on brand but Kaylee is so endearing that it's like I think it actually makes people go ha ah, that's funny you know so I just I, you know what I would I, take uh, with with all this speculation of a Firefly sequel and everything I would take a mm. Kaylee Wash spinoff like they're just, just traveling just traveling actually I couldn't see that. That wouldn't be like put them on wash, a wash like the a pilot small ship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would even take Zoe in that as well. Have Zoe as yeah. the, the I was captain. Gonna say, you can't wash the pilot. Yeah, and all that so stuff. you can't like, put them in different places because Zoe isn't jealous. She just is in charge, right? Like, yeah. What if we could would, make up some kind of though. world where Wash and Kaylee got together before? Mal found uh, We were I talking about like a it. Firefly multiverse. I like it. You could do that multiverse just in your kinda... imagination. He's saying prequel. I don't like it. prequel. Right? Oh no! Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I don't. No I don't way. like it. There'll be really... some fanfic out there somewhere. Oh, there is. Um, <laughs> let's just say shout out to Bed Wet and Behead. Megan Carla, is there some fanfic of this we could read? So mm. <laughs> give it. To I me. really, I really <laughs> love the way that river addresses the situation she says who do you think is in there <laughs> it's just oh, like yeah i i'll be honest i woke my wife up laughing to that line <laughs> and she like gave me that she was terrified it's a it's a running theme anyways <gasps> um it kind of felt like river could see through time at that moment when she was she asking was who's like, in there what's that or that or that gal was up on stirrups and river could see through the sheets but i mean he, one or the other. Either way. Yeah, I mean, that's not that much of a skill, I don't think. Yeah, also, um, speaking of this being a realistic birthing, uh, the doctor saying there's the shoulders really kind of freaked me out a little bit and kind yeah. of, like, solidified the fact that I could not deal with, uh, A, raising a kid and Are B... Are you kidding me? You don't have to push it out of your body. Yeah, I wouldn't want to watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would um, be so, this way, like, oh, he'd yeah, be passed out this. in the corner. Let's be honest. Josh, spoiler alert: they won't let you watch. They'll they'll look at you and go, "Oh no, he's gonna crumple like paper." <laughs> uh, we yeah. can't put him. She's right. You would be in the corner. Um, and you're not wrong. I mean, I would have to not. I would have to like look the other way. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to like watch anything except for. Maybe, I'm not. Like, you know, and I'm not saying put anything put about you that I wouldn't me. say about. I'm not saying anything about you that I wouldn't say about me, Josh. I'm <laughs> just let me put that out there. Um, so, before we go to this story of the dulcimer, which ends with, um, you know, play the music, Josh. You don't have the. I'm just totally kidding. Um, we have the scene where we're getting. <laughs> thank you. We have that the works. scene where we're getting all this backstory on Inara from Nandi. She's talking Hold to, up, Roy used a selfie stick to record <laughs> what? The birth of your child? Oh, uh, so the he didn't hell? have to stand. <laughs> you can be holding and a we hand. We have reached a new camera. low. <laughs> yeah. What? Okay. Okay, guys. We're so the award-winning. The award-winning sudden but inevitable rewatch is now canceled again. I'm very sorry to announce that, but. Um, Saxon Saxon says boys are wusses. You guys, if you're listening to this show and you are not in the live chat, I'm not mad at you. I'm just saying you're missing a ton of fun. Like there's so much fun happening in this chat. It is difficult to focus sometimes, which is why we write everything down. So 
I really love at the start of this scene when she first kisses Mal. She kisses him and Mal pulls his head back, waits five seconds, and then says, waiting to see if I pass out. Sorry, long story. Direct reference to Saffron. How great was that? What, Jesse? Go ahead. What? I was just, I was, it made me laugh. I actually, uh, Go you ahead, know, I, was, I was like, oh, ha, ha, ha. He's, he's thinking he's going to get poisoned. But then, but then it was more like, oh, he got poisoned with the love. <laughs> but it's such a great, it's Kylie, such a great is that actually. If you... Go ahead, David. Sorry. Sorry, it's such a great reference that if you haven't seen our Mrs. Reynolds, it still plays. It's still imagine that an audience who didn't know what he was talking still enjoy it. Yeah, and he, it, it's like, it's one of those things. Like for a second, it it even took me a second because I was like. Is he? Is this a like? Am I dreaming thing? Oh no no no! Right right. He got poisoned and fell asleep and hit his head. I totally remember that now. Um, so I didn't write down a lot about the scene where she's explaining. You know, Inara left. Nobody thought she was going to leave. You know, this that and the other thing. I didn't write up a lot down about that because I was glued. You guys like I was just watching because it was all stuff that I had s- sort of let it get fuzzy. But I really love that she is smart enough to show Mal the guns first, right? She's like, I have guns if you want to look at guns. And he's like, oh, I like guns. She's like, yeah, I know. I feel like this girl was a lot. uh, She was a very strong-willed woman that knew exactly what she wanted when Mal walked into the room. And her having the experience of being a companion, she was like, oh, I know exactly how to get this guy. I'll get in his pants by the end of the night for sure. I got this. I'm just going to show him some guns real fast and talk about some war stories. And we're going to be great. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. She's like, here, have some drinks. Here's my guns. Yes, you are mine. (laughs) I, and I really love the banter between the two of them. It's so Western, right? Like, ain't got a mind, you know, you thinking I'm sitting like, it's just so quick back and forth, like a hundred percent, like they're on the same wavelength. They are the same kind of person, you know, they're here for the same kind of reason. I just, the whole, it's just a great scene. Um, before we get into the actual raid, right? Where everything starts going down, David, I'd like to give you a chance to address any notes you feel like we've skipped over. Um, just that, that moment where, Zoe and Wash are talking about having a baby. Um, it just feels like, so spoiler alert for Josh and Kylie, um, there isn't a season two, uh, but it feels like this. What? <laughs> what a time to tell you. Um, but it feels like this is I'm, I'm so done. bittersweet because because it's that moment where there's a few, in these last few episodes, there's a moment, few moments where you sort of find yourself thinking, oh, I know what that episode would have been, or I think I do and I know I'm wrong. And it feels like season two is almost just out of reach when they talk about things like having children. And um, there are there are other moments in other episodes I don't want to say anything about next week's um, that it just feels it just it just hurts all the more that there isn't a season two. If Inara leaves, sorry, if Inara leaves, I would assume somebody's going to have to replace her. Somebody that can handle some of the stuff that she's been doing for the crew. If only we'd met a certain pale red-headed character with many of the same skills, but slightly less scruples. Fewer scruples, I'm sorry. It's interesting as well, isn't it? Because the, the idea of um, the companion, 
up to this point, Inara has been sort of presented to us as the model companion. And then Nandi gives us this idea that suddenly, well, no, she's this uh, runaway renegade. She's she's turned her back on uh, the, the companion house. And so we still haven't met a companion that does everything by the book. We still haven't met the companion that we think we met in Inara. Um, and so the fact that Inara and Nandi are both <laughs> companions who have turn their back on on that society in some way. Inara's obviously kept more of it in her daily life, and that's still how she work, runs her, her business. Um, but it's interesting that, you know, this idea of Heart of Gold is an episode about women and control of women, and, you know, whether you, whether it, whether you can see this episode as feminist or not depends completely, I think, on the fact that Nandi runs the brothel, but she is still um she's still working as as a whore she's still working mm -hmm. as a prostitute so she's not yeah. asking any of them to do anything she wouldn't do uh and if if there's a saving grace for the idea this could be a feminist piece that's probably it um yeah but it still feels you, like not roy. quite enough yeah a hundred percent and to roy the intrepid dm's point we haven't met any male companions but we did meet some uh what did kaylee call them boy whores in this episode so we know that there are probably yes there probably are male companions we just haven't seen them quite yet josh and kylie what did you guys have we have not talked about the villain in this at all yet um, we haven't gone into the discussion between mal and said villain either and i wanted to talk about that a little bit um, first of all, Definitely. the guys, the guys got a pretty sweet gun that ends up not being too sweet during the raid, <laughs> yeah. but can we just talk about his little baby Zoolander phone for a second? Why is it that <laughs> every show in the early 2000s had this little, little, little tiny phone that would just like, boop, hello. You know, and it's just, it's like the size of a lighter that my <laughs> theory there, your ear. <laughs> my theory is that producers in the early 2000s were very rich and thus getting the best available cell phones, right? And for a long time there, cell phones were getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and then they got really big. Now they're like a small tablet, right? But for a long time, the smaller your phone, the more successful you were, and that's what the joke was in Zoolander. I think it's the same joke. I think it's somebody poking fun, right, but they're poking fun at authority, right? Like, it, it, I, that's kind of how I took it to be. David, what did you have? I was just going to say, um, I don't know if you'd agree with me, Jesse, but um, Jesse and I both have two-year-old children, and uh, everything is a phone. A lipstick yes. is a phone. A screwdriver is a phone. Take that screwdriver off him as soon as you can. Um, anything that's that's vaguely fits into the palm of your hand. Yes. So when he pulled out and uh, had that moment with that tiny, I don't know what you, uh, you know, <laughs> my my wife's first reaction was, oh, it's like, Oh, it's like uh, it's like Jake with his phone, and you're just like, "Yeah, that's it." And I'm immediately out of the moment. It's not a phone anymore. It's oh my god, get it off him! Or oh, what's he got? No, it's yeah. fine. We're okay. That's a that's a really good analogy for this guy because he is kind of a big baby. Yeah. <laughs> so that would that would make I, sense. It also kind of uh, goes is... to the tropes of like like Star Wars, for instance. Episode one, they used a lady's razor for their communicator device. It was mm -hmm. it was just some some razor that they turned and they painted it gray and was like, all right, Liam Neeson, here you go, talking to this. Meh. 
And it's like they did <laughs> yeah. the same thing with this guy. They're like, uh, what do we got? Uh, here's the thing. Uh, lipstick. Here you go. Yeah, talk into that. It'll be fine. Well, and here's the thing, though, is that this is I, – I know that Josh has mentioned it, and I think maybe our guests – I think Megan Carla may have mentioned it, too. But this is the first actual, like, laser weapon that we get in the show, right? Normally we're seeing, well, I mean, you could be argued that some of, like, the electromagnetic stuff from the guy that was chasing them during the message. Yeah, like that. What about the Lassiter? Um, Sorry. But the Lassiter didn't fire because she pulled the trigger and it didn't work. So this is the first time Do you think it was out of battery, maybe? Well, so, but we get to see this Corroded terminals. The thing about this, though, is that that's how a laser would function, right? The whole time you're holding the trigger, you'd be dragging this just beam of destruction. Like it's 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 a long distance lightsaber, right? And then I did I did write down the line from Spaceballs for the end. Even in the future, nothing works. Um, but does it not recharge you know, it, itself? It is, well, I mean, it's clearly a depleted uranium casing uh surrounded but no, i have no idea how it works you mean um, to tell me that this guy who spent all that money on a tiny lipstick phone can't provide a battery charger for his gun yes no because to continue well he's too busy riling up his posse to put it onto charge my gun on the charger today Damn they've it. got torches to light. Battery. they've got you know <laughs> <laughs> well and i think that it's like to just drive home that metaphor right like yeah producers always have the money but they have no idea what they're doing or you know something like that i don't know it might all fit together um there's definitely an there's definitely an impotence analogy to be had there as well isn't there yeah and they that scene where he first meets him right like i don't know about you guys but i felt like this was not it wasn't quite the same as when he met atherton because when he met atherton you were like Okay, I know Atherton's not necessarily a match for Mal, but he's clearly got like enough confidence to potentially be an issue. I feel like our introduction to Rance is just like this guy sucks. Like he's not he's only a threat because he has resources. He can't even really properly properly utilize the resources because if this guy was smart, he would just contract like professional security force, right? He wouldn't go into town with a torch and then like ex- explain everything i j- yeah i just I, I didn't know about it um he's more like ahead. the guy from janestown he's more like um higgins who owns the moon and everybody works for him because where else are you going to get a job he's that guy he he riles those go- those guys up but not because necessarily they agree with him although it looks like a lot of them do but because where else are you getting your money from where else is your job coming from he has all the the power, uh, and then you know, the rich get richer, and the the, the power comes to him. So, um, but it feels it, it, there's a weakness there, just as there was with with the guy in Janestown. It's a precarious yeah. uh, existence. That's an excellent parallel to draw, and I fully agree with that. And that's why I love having such wonderful guests, such as David Black of Patreon.com/slash/SpatialAnomaly on our show, because. That's the kind of stuff that we get.
What's going on, everyone? This is your girl, Julene, host of It Goes Down in the PM. We talk about everything from work, motherhood, local celebrities to comic books. Tune in every Friday at 1 o'clock to find out what really goes down in the PM. Ricky D, have you got any notes that you feel like we've skipped over up to this point that you'd like to address? Well, there was one shot that I noticed when... uh... What's the main villain's name in this episode? Rance Burgess. That's right. I've got it right here on my... My name is Rance. I've got it on my (laughs) intro synopsis. But there was that first time when he came coming in with his hovercraft with the horses flanking him. And then he came back the second time for the attack. And I'm almost positive that was the exact same shot used twice. Oh, yeah. It was. I, I think it was. That's such a, a thing that they did back in, in those days. And it's something that my dad would always point out to me. Um, it's a curse. It's like, it's like watching a show nowadays. Like, like you watch South Park or reruns of Friends or reruns of anything. If you notice when you're watching the theme song, they speed it up in some parts and to, mm-hmm. to, to make up time so they can play more commercials. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm really well, and... sorry that he shared that with you if you didn't notice already. Because you're never going to forget that. Seriously, it's life-changing and it's upsetting and I don't get to enjoy well... anything anymore. <laughs> so, here's... so Kylie, um, most people have this, there's like, you can stream all the entertainment that you want from <laughs> yeah, basically we have any time to any screen and you control everything about that. So... Yes, but no, um, so we particularly watching... like South Park, and you can only get that one place right now. So, well, so and for and watching those like scenes to your point, Ricky, they did that so much back in the day. Like, I, I can't even tell you how many shows that I'd be like, Oh, yeah, there's that same scene. Oh, same flight scene. Okay, so, oh my same gosh, every time scene. in Star Wars, oh, this is from the, this, the movie, this part, and this, like, this time <laughs> and second mark well, and in... of this movie. Josh and... sucks in the next generation. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think Josh that's is so smart. I can't enjoy anything. <laughs> so at the I'm and, sorry. and like I'm in the sorry. next generation, they use they reuse shots of the Enterprise <laughs> constantly. Now, part of this is because back in the day, you guys, they used to have to commit rolls of film to so make television. Much, yeah. yeah, totally. So it, makes it saved a pile of money to reuse shots. That was and, um, that was a I big think... thing that he had explained to me as well. Was that same with music, man? Right. You see, you notice a lot of things with music where. They you you know you take a thirty second clip of a drum beat and you can just recycle that and Same use it loop. again. So yep. it's like, mm-hmm. it's it's in saving. a lot of stuff. Sorry, if we're talking about cost cutting, um, uh, I love that moment when uh, Wash and Kaylee are walking back to the ship, and Mal's like, "There's there's uh, this this my sky's looking kind of quiet," and Wash is promising him flybys and he's going to use the engines to knock to scare the horses <laughs> and knock people over. And none of that's going to happen because it's really expensive. So the, the yep. ship gets locked down, which is just as good dramatically. But it is, it's one of those moments where you this is never happening. Never in a million years. Yeah. And in that moment when Rance, yeah, no. Rance has stolen the baby and he's backing out of the door. And it's, it's the worst kind of shot. Really, really, really beautiful shot of a doll really uh, you know once you've seen it you can never unsee it you know i'm not saying i want a baby to be in harm's way at any point but it's a baby and then it's clearly a doll and then it's a baby yeah we've got enough babies they can i mean what one thing you can't unsee either is that dude's freaking goggles 
when he's driving in all Mad Max style. (laughs) This guy is a mix between any character from the Fifth Element, Mad Max, and Zoolander. I swear to God. Like, those three... Any characters, and it is the villain of of this episode. And it's have just up. Oh, Ricky, Ricky's done. He he hates me so much. He's, read... done. He's like Mad Max. I'm done. I'm out. Josh just sucks so out, much. Josh. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Uh, yes, uh, Rosie uh, says she has noticed the same thing in Hallmark movies. Same large building, Christmas tree, and lights on Main Street. That is very frequent. Um, if you go, those to, are actually used in like. It's like uh, still shots that are community used in Hollywood and that they like the, that they uh, take from. Yeah, like, you'll uh, see the same stock being used in yeah. exactly yeah, stock, stock footage. footage. But then yes. you get your stock yeah. sound. So like that mm-hmm. typical Wilhelm the, scream. Well, the lady, yeah. the yeah. Ah, 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 oh, yeah. <laughs> that's the typical yeah. lady scream. It's yep. in Kung Pao. Yep. I just yeah. <laughs> so we have this. My name is Betty. <laughs> I did not enjoy that movie. Um, so... Oh, we should probably do a sudden but inevitable rewatch of Kung Pao then, because we're going to make no, you enjoy that's... that movie. <laughs> it's not going to happen it. even it a little bit. Yeah. Like, it's not even a Chosen one! So, um, Roy, no, we cannot talk about the trash cans for a second. So, the thing that I wrote down next is kind of a long note um josh and kylie do you have anything you'd like to cover before we get to this to the actual to that standoff where he's trying to get out with the baby and stuff like that um i think uh we wanted to do you want to wait for our predictions of why anara left callie asked us why anara left what our predictions are for that no, no. or theories go ahead and um, we'll do that right now if you guys have a couple okay uh so first things first i think it was one of those I can't, I can't uh, professionally do this because I emotionally want to be with you, and I think that's like proven in the beginning of this episode when she finds out that Mal uh, sleeps with um, what's her name? I can't remember her name, um, but Maybe. yes, thank you. I'm so bad with names, but well, once, that's kind of a weird name. That yeah, weird. well, well, yeah. Once she figures that out. Uh, she just breaks down. It was like, it was like this whole time she had been holding it in that she had feelings for Mal because she wanted him to make the first move, but then he didn't make the first move, and now she's like, "Well, crap." <laughs> Kylie, what say you? As a man, that's what I thought. Kylie, as a woman, please no, uh, fill my ignorant ass in. No, no, no. I'm shaking my <laughs> head because it's all so painfully true. I feel like every chick has been there before. Um, and, you know, th- that's the typical saying about women was, oh, they always want you to read their mind. Well, sometimes that's true. And so she she even said that she didn't do this correctly. And that's where I thought she was going to go when she was saying, you know, um, I should have done this a long time ago for both of our sakes. I thought she was going to be like, I should have just laid it I all out she was going to kiss line. him. Yeah, right. And then she's like, I'm out. But I think that she is so bitter, whether she has, you know, everybody has a right to feel how they feel, but I don't know if she's in the right to feel bitter because she also didn't make the move. But I think that she is so bitter and so upset that that's why she's leaving. 
I feel like every single lady has been there at least once. And she can't the hell out. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think she can look at him the same. And also, right. friendship's fact, different. Well, and now the Mal's going to be such a different person because of the fact that he really liked uh, Nandy and she died. Mm hmm. And so now he's going to be stuck on on what if and, you know, mm -hmm. those question marks for the rest of his life. I was that... shocked he even slept with Nandy in the first place. Me like... too. But now that that happened and they had this relationship and she's gone, he's obviously going to be attached to that. Because, I mean, any any person that, that passes that you're close to you get a crazy connection immediately and you don't you don't stop thinking about that person for a really long time well and the looks that they shared it like you got right. to see you know they were both really hurting over her death because they both had a special place in their heart right but then they looked at each other like um i only you know mal's like i only have a special place because like i boinked her i only know? have a special like, place in my pants anyway, yeah so i don't know that's that's definitely a tough one i think that she's upset and i i don't blame her and, and but I also think everything was just done so poorly. <laughs> yeah, she's not only upset, but also knows that Mal's not going to be able to get over it so easily. Yeah. And that it's just going to be a recurring thing. It's her friend. He went mm -hmm. there to help her friend. And like At he her said, request. There's a line that he says. Um, he says, I wish I would have never met her. Then I wouldn't have failed her. And yeah. that also is going to stick in his mind forever. Well, and the other layer there for Inara is that Inara asked him to go there. He wouldn't have gone if she had not, because the they didn't call Mal. They called Inara. Mm -hmm. Right. So There's just a lot of blame going around, I think. Right. She probably feels guilt. She's so upset, but she doesn't really have the right to be upset, but yet she still is. That's very, very... She uh... sent she sent the mixed signal because she was testing to see, like, is Mal the guy that I can literally send all of the worst shutdown signals too and he'll keep pursuing me because i kind of like being pursued like she was it's like she just kept testing it. it too hard or something it's so. not yeah it's not fair to play games so she was in the Agreed. wrong for not throwing it out you know in the open if she wanted to be with him but i also again you know you feel how you feel and she's probably feeling pretty bad so yeah <laughs> david what did you have on this i have a i have a note i'd like to make when you're done so the um the moment when Inara drops the bombshell that she's leaving, um, it feels like Mal's going to say something. Mm -hmm. It feels like Mal's going to say something to her uh, that we all want him to say. But isn't it isn't it isn't it weird that Nandi's just died and they had sex and he's having this conversation now? I mean, is is there a good way to have that conversation? Is there a good way to say so? Uh, forget about that i want to talk about us or i only did that because i wish i'd done that with you is there a good way to do that i, I don't think there I is think and that... maybe that's maybe that's what it is maybe he did it to make her jealous and now that she's gone he's like Ugh. i think that <laughs> sometimes when you lose somebody you kind of real you know wake up and realize that you know maybe that's... i should reach out and keep you think it focuses the mind those. Right, and right. He, so, no, it was not good timing. <laughs> and he only, I think he only slept with Nandy because they they repeatedly reaffirmed at the start of this episode, she was like, Mal, I'm not into you. I'm not this. This is not the deal, you know. And he was like, yes, I know. That's fine. 
and then he and Nandy constantly reaffirm. She's like, "Hey, I'm not her," and he's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm, I know that." And she was like, oh, "Okay, just making sure, you know, like." So they made sure that everybody was on the same page, and he was like, "Okay, I did sort of just have a conversation with Inara where she was like, dude, move on." So I guess I'm should do that, like there's a person in the room that wants me to move on. So I guess I may as well. So I think he was trying to take that step and then it wasn't up to him, but that step got cut short, right? He was going to move on. So I think what he was about to tell her was, Hey, I was this close to being over you. And now you're all I have. Like, this is like, you're your family now, you okay, know, and Simon. she's talking about, Only she's talking about family. Right. She's but like what he means is it's more of a it's more of a family connection now. He's trying to say, I can't let you go. I can't lose you. Right. Because now I know what it's like to lose somebody I care about. And that's why I try not to have onboard relationships. And like, yeah, so he was going to say, like, look, I love you, but we can't do this because it's going to ruin me and there's no way I can function if we're having a relationship. So I think it's possible that he was about to tell her, I love you and I want to be with you. I think you should leave. And then she said, here's the thing I'm leaving. And that look on his face was, why are we both always on the same page, but only in ways that hurt both of us? Because the only time they ever agree is when they're arguing or when they're acknowledging that they don't have any money or that the way they find work is really difficult, all of the stuff they have in common is the hard parts of their life. And that's why they feel so right for each other, but it's also what makes them very wrong for each other. So the thing that got me in this episode, there's always at least one thing per episode, right? So when the baby starts being born, Inara holds, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember the pregnant, uh, Petaline's hand. She holds Petaline's hand and she says, you're strong. I can feel it in your grip. And then the next thing that she says is, this is just a moment in time. Step aside and let it happen. And that is what broke me down. And I kind of didn't expect it, but my eyes immediately filled up with tears on this. Uh, because all I could think of were those moments leading up to when my daughter was born that and and she's communicating all of that to Petaline she's saying this this fear this excitement this lack of control and understanding that you don't have any control all of this is going to hit you at the same time but it's there's nothing you can do but step aside and let this happen to you and i remember standing in the hallway waiting for the nurses to wave me in and somebody I don't probably worked at the hospital walked past me and said what are you doing and I was like I'm having a baby and they said oh congratulations and I just immediately started bawling and then the nurse stepped outside and was like okay come in we're ready for you so I'm already bawling when I get in there you know and then it's it's the way that she phrased that is so perfect because it's true you can't do anything in those moments but let them happen i i was i i mean you know what it's like david you're trying to plan everything and everybody tells you you can't plan for it everything's going to change there's nothing you can do and you try anyway and you're like you we're set we're ready 
but you're not. It just happens. And then that day is there and everything is happening all at once and you don't have control and you're glad for not having that because you, I wouldn't be able to put all those things together in the right order. So to me, this really explains every moment of Inara in this episode. You see that she has this, <clears throat> excuse me, you see that she has this kind of ultimate calm because she has this way of being about her that is to step aside and let moments happen. She recognizes that she controls what she can control and she doesn't attempt to control the things that she can't. She's just snarky with those things and most of those things are Mao. But you come to understand why she's not embarrassed about who she is, why she doesn't get uncomfortable in uncomfortable situations, how she's able to handle that whole interaction with Mal, walking, watching him walk out of her best friend's bedroom, why she doesn't crack because it's just a moment and she's just letting it happen. She lets all the dialogue flow the way that it should. She's got the snarky comeback. And then in the moment when she's collapsed with herself and she's crying in the room, you can see on her face that she's not trying to hold any of that back. She's letting that happen to her. She's letting that emotion flow freely and she's experiencing it for what it is. So that when she says that to Petaline, this is just a moment in time. You have to step aside and let it happen. You see that there's so much wisdom and experience behind her saying that. It's not just a line that she gave. And bravo to whichever writer put it in. And I don't know what you lived through to come up with that, but you have my eternal praise. Um, I'm really going to need Josh and Kylie to talk for a minute while I recompose. You're good. Um, so I actually had a really fun thing when we get into this uh this whole battle scene here, the it very it reminded me so much of Mandalorian. If you guys have seen Mandalorian, I don't know if you have, but the episode of Mandalorian in the first season where he goes to help the village and he gets them all like geared up for battle and sets all the traps and gets everything going. So this episode, especially like the clothesline trick, I called it oh, oh the good old clothesline trick. Classic. And just seeing seeing that in this whole battle thing, it was it was a lot of fun to kind of see that parallel between one of my favorite shows and one of my new favorite shows, and how like they're they're so similar when it comes to being like a space western, but also a fantasy sci fi space western. Um, I just I love that the, that whole scene where the, everyone is fighting. The, the girls are fighting the the boy whores are fighting like everyone <laughs> is getting into it and that it just that episode with the big atat that they're fighting um the chicken yep. walker and everyone that whole village is like they've banded together because they are there to save their city to save their homestead and do everything they can to get the bad guys out of here um i i, I really like that parallel but the one thing that i had a problem with with the whole battle, out of that whole battle, why the F didn't Shepard have a gun? Why is he shooting He's a shooting water hose? hose. <laughs> this dude has proven that he is good with a gun. Because it's not close quarters in a controlled environment where he can kneecap people so that they That's bullshit. fall face first onto <laughs> a ledge. He's out in the open, man. He can't just be blasting people. 
I'm he, sorry, he can, but if you're good enough to shoot has. someone in the kneecaps, no matter what the distance, you're probably good enough to shoot someone in the face with a freaking <laughs> rifle. Maybe he's also good enough to kill him with a yeah, uh, water hose, or at least to defend himself with a water hose. <laughs> yeah, like, Psh, there you go. Aha, you're off the horse now. I got you with I, the water. I thought that was pretty funny. I will like, drown you. Like fighting yeah. dogs trying to like calm them down yeah. or something. I'm gonna waterboard your ass. <laughs> but oh, what God. if what if what if the alternative is true? What if you know he kneecapped some guy on Niska's uh, space station, uh, and he's you know decided that that's not him anymore? And you know because you get the impression with as you say with book he is this marksman. He probably could have shot oh. Rance Burgess as he comes over the hill. But there's, but no, we're not going to do that. We're 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 a new person, um, and so the idea that he's got the water hose, yes, it seems strange after you watch war stories, <laughs> but maybe he's reforming himself. You know, he's trying to be a better shepherd. Yeah, maybe right, maybe right, he, right. he's reevaluating the kneecapping. I don't believe that at all. I think that he was. I think he was probably like, oh, nobody else has any guns? That's too bad. I'll just use this hose. I guess I'll just pick <laughs> so, something up. Or he Girl, fought there's... one of the women. He was like running towards the gun and one of the one of the boy whores was running towards the same gun and they each grabbed for it and he was like, you know what? You probably need this oh, or something. Or, <laughs> or um, Jane told him to go downstairs and get the girls and he definitely totally misunderstood the way Jane phrased it. Anyone? <laughs> Thank you, David. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, David. Oh my God. I did put this in my notes. I wrote, I am so ready to kill these guys. Let's do it. And then yeah. when And Roy, I have Inara... to disagree. He doesn't like doing others harm. I have to call that because he was shooting dudes in the kneecaps, not giving <laughs> a didn't have a lot of options. Yeah, he, he did didn't that have a lot of options rescue. here either. He did it that to rescue no family. Yes, he it did it to rescue family. family and in he this... was protecting family here. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I, he's, I, he's... I, I, this is plot convenience at its finest. <laughs> <laughs> I think Shepard Book is a more complex man than you give him credit for, Josh. <laughs> now. Well, maybe I'll see it in season two. Oh. So you will. So after this line where rance says this is my blood and inara puts that knife to his throat and she gets like her best one-liner right yeah it's just like that was so freaking 2002 but i loved it but it got and followed then, up with one of the worst lines ever when pedaline comes is, out with her baby and she's like oh no no no, no your no. father jonah say goodbye to your father jonah. Daddy, jonah i, I love that <laughs> Oh, I don't think that's a bad line ever. at all. I actually liked it no, a lot. It. If I could have liked Petaline, that on Facebook, I would have. What I wrote for that, Ricky D, was pedaling earned the hell out of that moment. Um, but I I think that right so right after Rance um lasers Nandy in the stomach, which has got to be the worst place to get lasered. Kelly makes um, a good point. It really He's eats up the OP. Book is just too op. They would need an excuse not to get it would have been over before it started. I like that, Callie. Thank you. I that explanation is way better than these clowns gave me. So more like Shepherd Nerf. Am I right? So thank you, Callie. I didn't. I didn't have one this week, Callie. So thank you for giving me that. Um. So she's laying on the ground dead and Inara comes over. She looks at her dead friend. She looks up at Mal and then without opening her mouth, she says, kill him, Mal. And 
I was like, how did she say that? She didn't even open her mouth. She just looked at him and I heard her say, go kill him. And then, okay, is this the, oh, Roy, don't do that to Kylie. Roy said OP stands for original post. It does if you're on Reddit. I've yeah. heard that okay. uh, that OP before. That's why I was like, "What is this OP?" But I get it. Video game. You know, I can block you from the chat, Roy. Just saying. I just. <laughs> hey, Roy. A nice try, but you didn't get me. <laughs> so this moment, you guys, for me, this is Han Solo, Indiana Jones, like the Lone Ranger, Captain America. This is everything. Every action hero all rolled into one badass pure moment of space western goodness and i could chew on this like 18 second scene for the rest of my life he chases down that air quote speeder on a horse he like has plenty of time before he jumps in to look at the guy and be like yep i'm here it's over i win here we go and then he jumps in it was just uh, so good i i really i love that mal knows I could shoot this guy in the face, but I know somebody who would really appreciate the chance to shoot this guy in the face. So I'm going to give that chance to her because it's only the right thing to do. And Mal has a heart of gold. And I think that's what the episode title refers to is because Mal let her shoot that guy in the face. I'm just kidding. But I thought it was really great that she earned, as I said, pedaling earned the hell out of that moment. Now to Ricky D's point, the one thing that bugged me about the line, I love that it was a good one-liner, and I love that it was delivered to a guy who needed it. But up to that point, pedaling, not really shown to be, like, on the ball with the wit and snappy comebacks. And the badassery, so, by any means. Yeah. I mean, she she went through a lot in the last hour. You know. Well, besides childbirth, I mean. Right. I mean, she, she must have been knackered. It, gr it grows you. No quick. drugs either. Yeah, she, had, she just, that water no, broke and she was like, let's do it. Well, he said, he, he said, go get me the green vial. I can take some, take away some of the paint. Right. So there were oh, some, he okay. had his, I, I, his didn't, I, didn't, I didn't catch that. I didn't catch that. Yeah. Well, and they landed there on a, on a ship called Serenity, which is where Simon keeps his stuff. So, um, <laughs> I think the last note that I wrote was, I love this one liner, but you really should not fire a gun around a newborn infant. Like she didn't, she didn't even like hand the baby up. She didn't hold it for a second. None of that. You guys, she didn't even turn. Like she just extended her arm a little. Like she didn't even like, okay, maybe I can like, she just, she just, it was like three feet from the baby's head. It wasn't that was very irresponsible. Is it possible? She was standing up after giving birth to a child. Come on. Is it possible? <laughs> that whores don't make the best parents. I think that that statement presumes more than you want to presume in a in a thing that's going to be going out to uh, literally hundreds of people because it's an award winning podcast. So let I me haven't just say, used that word yet. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> I was going to say, Ricky texted me before and was like, I'm going to get this word in. Just you wait. <laughs> <laughs> so he did it. Um. I didn't make any other episode-specific notes um, outside of that one. So in the order of David, Ricky, Josh, and Kylie, is there anything that you guys would like to talk about before we get to our first segment of the week? Go ahead, David. Um, well, we haven't talked about um, the the moment of 
Rance Burgess and his humiliation of uh, the, the traitor um, whore, if we're yeah. going to keep using the word. Uh, I think her name's Shari. Uh, and it's mm. it's one of those it's one of the most uncomfortable things to watch. And you you Jesse, when you said earlier, you know this episode feels more problematic than maybe it did in two thousand and three. Um, mm. That's one of those moments that feels even worse. Um, yeah. And it's really uncomfortable to watch. And and it's one of those moments where I think I don't know in two thousand and three whether that played as she's getting what she deserves but now doesn't, right. or whether it was just as bad then as it is now. Yeah. Does that make they sense? Care, they, yeah, it does, because they paint her in a way that's like, we're mad at this character, we want her to get what's coming to her. Uh, that was bad phrasing. But, like, we want everybody in this town riot scene to get shot, right? Like, we want them to go to the raid, and we want our heroes... Yeah, we want our heroes to, to take care of everyone here. But you're right, it was like... I, like I was actually grateful that my wife was asleep, but I did look over just to check. I was like, Ugh. "Okay, all right, okay, don't wake up right now. Just this is not the time for you to wake." Okay, all right, nope, yep, it's totally about space and the West, sweetheart. I swear. Okay, that, yeah, I think that was... was the moment where I really wanted Chewie to come out and rip some arms off because, like, <laughs> that guy deserved the worst punishment. I do appreciate that we see that there are lasers in this universe. But that guy still takes lead. I think that's the... For me, if there's something real satisfying that's negative in this episode, it's that. That guy doesn't get lasered to death. He gets shot. And that's that feels like it might be... I wish they would have killed him with his own gun. Like, hang on. Well, the battery I got one dead, more so. shot. Well, I got one more shot with this dead battery. So before it dies, let me bit. shoot you with Jane, it. Jane takes out the slide and blows in it. <laughs> And then, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I could see that. David, did you have anything else you'd like to cover before we move to Ricky D? Um, just that um, it's it's again it's just this idea of uh, it's like like with Shindig, you know, we're talking about property and we're talking about this idea of gender and property and the baby being uh, Burgess's property. And there's that great line when uh, uh, someone says to him, "Sister Nandy, is it his?" and she says. I think it's Petaline's. And and it's right. this wonderful moment where it's her baby and we're not having this conversation. And Nandy seems yeah. like this really great sort of, it seems like this, again, this wonderful feminine feminist stance. And then it's all thrown away, as far as I'm concerned, when Nandy <laughs> talks about Rance's wife. Do you remember what she calls her? She calls uh, her a, bar- a barren shrew. A barren prairie shrew. And you're like, oh, so the, the only worth on this world for women is either sex or reproduction. It's so uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. And she has been able to turn it into a profiting enterprise, you know, like, so it's. I gotta say, I do love, I love the idea of the strong, um, well, I mean, the strong female character in, in general, but um, the strong, like a uh, brothel leader, like in Westworld and stuff like that. Like, I don't know, I just, She's making something and she's something that's supposed to be dirty and sexual and she's making it a safe haven for these women. So these women are choosing to have the trade that they do, but just like in the show and other shows, these women are keeping them safe kind of. And I think that's mm. just kind of an interesting uh, juxtaposition. I think it needs it needs a moment where you know it's a choice. And I don't think we see that quite. 
Um, but yeah. I agree completely. I think, you know, the idea that, that it, it can be empowering to, to use sex and to, for, for, you know, for, there's a strange idea, isn't it? We use this phrase, selling your body. And who's selling their body? The, the woman who's working in a brothel or the woman who's working at Walmart for 16 hours a day or something, you know, mm -hmm. who's, who's, who's working for tips or something like that. You know, everybody's selling their body in one way or another, you know. And so the idea that we, we draw a distinction there is, is unfair on, on everybody. Uh, but but it, Nandi is a really interesting case because you, you, I think you go into this thinking, oh, she's like Inara. And then you go, oh, she's not like Inara. She's, uh, she's got this, there's this whole business idea and she seems um, to be running the place right. And she talks about the old owner and how much better things are now. Right. So there is a moment where I think it, it, it sort of the almost redeems itself. A man. He was a man, was man yeah. and they were strung out on drops, those girls. So, you know, yeah, there's, the they, there's, there's a lack of choice there. Uh, right, but it's right. implied. Well, it's not, you know. To your point, though, David, I think the only time that we might be given that moment of her saying or of her trying to demonstrate or the show trying to demonstrate for us that it is their choice is when Mal goes, OK, I figured it out. Uh, we're going to leave. This is the only way to witness is for everyone to leave. She says, hey, this is my home. I built this from the ground up. These girls can't. I don't remember what she said. I felt like it was maybe a little reductive, but she was like, this is where they want to be. This is where I want to be. You know, this is. So I think that's what that scene was supposed to be. I thought that but was like... very uncharacteristic of Mal to be like, uh, we're fucked. Let's run. <laughs> I really feel it's, like. It's not. It's not uncharacteristic of him because he's very good at assessing a situation. Like, and he usually ends up in situation. What he does is he goes into situations where he knows he's going to need some luck to pull it off. But he also knows that he's generally kind of a lucky guy. We haven't really seen him do anything yet that's like suicide, right? Like, because even the, even the aerial heist was like, they were pretty comfortable with their plan. They felt pretty confident it would work. Like... I feel I like this is the it first... was just a weird thing for him to do instead of being like, how could we figure this out? But the it's first not cowardice. thing he did was let's run. And I'm not saying it's cowardice. I'm just saying it was uncharacteristic of him instead of think... trying to solve the problem for this family of people. It was like, I think uh... it's characteristic of him because he's saying essentially what you've done is hired us to save your lives. I know how to do that. Get on my boat and come with me if you want to live. I think that was I think it I think it tracks with his character because he doesn't the only thing he knows about this guy is that this guy has unlimited resources and weapons that are so OP that they're illegal. But he so, was still able to set up a whole trap with this town or with this thing and help them save the day and basically stop these people from taking the baby and stuff. Like I get it that right. that he wanted to to run again I just think it was weird that the first thing he did was Okay, let's just run. And then he was like, you know what? Never mind. Let's set up some clotheslines. We'll get washed to get the ship. We'll do some something. Like it was like he just instead of going through his initial ideas of how to stop these guys, he was just like, fuck it, let's run. His initial idea fits with his character because strategic withdrawal is something that he understands from his time in the war. So it's not necessarily that we're abandoning this post and we're saying like, okay, sorry, girls, you have to find a new home. It's like, hey, maybe let's go regroup. Let's find everybody that we know. You know, they didn't really imply anything other than we need to leave. But 
to Rosie, to Shepard Rosie's point, once she starts talking about this is my home, this is where I feel right, then he says, you're my kind of stupid. So he initially was like, the best way to live through this is this. Then he realizes her goal isn't necessarily to live through this. That's when he readjusts and goes, oh, okay, then let's make a stand. I'm totally down for the stand as demonstrated, right? He's like, yeah, let's get all the guns. Let's do the things. I don't, I see where you're coming from, but I just feel like the idea to leave with all the, all of the people still tracks with his character. And I think it might just be that it, we are supposed to expect him to say, no, we're going to make a stand. And that's why he doesn't say that. It's because they know we're expecting and they want to. What is it then? The scene, the scene in the theater when he says, you know, I need to look this guy in the eye. If I'm going to fight him, I need to size him up. And he goes to the theater, has a conversation, realizes that the guy likes his laser more than he likes his wife. And then he says, we need to leave. We need to run. What is because it that he's not... tips the balance? Because he's not, he knows he's not fighting a man of principle. But the guy thinks that he's, what did he say? Guy thinks he's right with God or something like that. So he's like, this guy has no respectable qualities and very dangerous weapons, which is a very bad combination. This guy would probably glass the surface of his own world before he lets this baby get away, right? Like, it's, 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 I think it's Mal recognizing, like, this guy is crazy and that's bad. And then when he realizes that Nandy is crazy, he goes, okay, well, I've been crazy the whole time. I just, I was trying to be professional. And if you're down, let's have a shootout. Like, he was trying to make the job work, get the money, save the people, and get paid, you know? And I think that all went into his initial decision to say, let's leave. And what tipped the balance was Nandy saying, this is my cause, basically, right? This is what I believe in. And he goes, oh, I totally identify with that. Totally know where you're coming from. Let's do it. That's, that's just my thought. Um, it all makes sense. I just, for me, it was just a little weird that, that his, his fair. you know, that's, yeah. that's fair. Ricky D, what did you have? Did you have anything else you'd like to address before we get to our first segment? I do have one last thing I want to address. Uh, it's kind of a question for Kylie. Uh, the past two weeks, there's been a lot of tears flowing on this show. So I was wondering if you and I could go start our own more masculine podcast somewhere. <laughs> So that Ricky D can have a better time. It's so funny. I was just making fun of Josh for crying every day earlier today. Um, Dude, whatever. That music video was awesome today. Uh, And it was very, very poignant. And it was very emotional. Don't make fun of me. I'm obviously joking for the record. And if I'm going to throw myself under this bus too, uh, I can't get through singing Dr. Horrible sing-along blog just the audio version without breaking into tears it doesn't even take the movie just the songs and this is another joss whedon show is why i bring it up for anybody that doesn't know anybody listening but so yeah dr horrible sing-along right blog now, will it's... break me down yeah. dr horrible sing-along <laughs> blog let's let's get ricky crying on here <laughs> i think i think the this this emotional content is part of how you get this to get get to be an award-winning podcast clearly maybe all the the other podcasts the other podcasts don't have this emotional content yeah it's because they're not real people they're just bots they're much more stable than we are (laughs) we have the best guests we have the best fans and 
we have Ricky D from Best Flicks. So that's pretty cool. Best Flicks. Um, Josh and Kylie, did you guys have anything else you'd like to address from this episode before we get to our first segment? I don't think so. No, nah, man. I just the the low battery on the gun thing was still that was hilarious. That was pretty because it was like yeah. it was such a cartoon thing. Like he's like he's going hard and he's blasting things. And then he's like, oh, what the fuck? Low battery. And it you should have heard like some cartoon strings there or something. Wah, you know? wah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like the curse of a uh, of a uh, higher technology. You know, yeah, I guess yep. works too well it's and it doesn't work at all. Battery. Yeah, but other than that, no, I think I think uh, I'm good. Okay, excellent. That's beautiful to hear. So, with that, what we're gonna do next is one of my favorite parts of the whole show. What we like to do is a little thing that we call Simon Says. Of course, Simon Says is where we share our favorite quotes from this week's episode of Firefly, even if they were not uttered by Dr. Simon Tam. I am going to ask David to go first this week, and then we'll have Josh and Kylie, and then we'll have Ricky, and I will go last. David, take it away. Okay, uh, so last time I was here, I uh, cheated and had two. Uh, I, I'm seeing that as a precedent, and I'm doing it again. Um, <laughs> so um, Nandi on the wave says to Inara, if they've got guns and brains at all, and Inara says, they've got they guns. Got guns. <laughs> that was a good one. And I love it. I just That's brilliant. And it's, 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 a, it's really uh, emblematic of the dialogue in this episode. <clears throat> there's, there's probably there's loads of things that I loved about the dialogue, but it is mostly a back and a forth it's not like a one-liner usually um the other one which is which is not as probably not as funny but it really really made me laugh was um mal's talking about uh fixing the place up after the raid i think it is and he says i'm a fair hand with a mop and nandy says so your legend tells and it just, I just had to pause the episode and just i just couldn't stop laughing it's just one of my favorite lines of dialogue or anything and it's you, it's not quote worthy. You couldn't put it on a T-shirt. I just love it. I beg to differ. We're starting a tea public. Go to no. I'm totally kidding. We don't have a website for that yet, but we're working on some merch. We're working on someone some at my don't job you, is going to be like, I'm so good at good at cleaning windows, and I'm going to be like, so your so your legend tell. Oh, yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. So cute. it's it's got so many uses. I can see it now. <laughs> Oh, it's 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 happening. <laughs> like, All of them I, sarcastic I had too. Twelve beers last night. So, so your legend tells. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Josh and Kylie, what were your selections this week for Simon Says? And thank you, David. Those were excellent. Kylie, you want to go first? Um, sure. So it is a quote that we did um, already <coughs> mentioned before, but um, it's when um, the baby's starting. And um, River says, who do you think is in there? And I just thought that was such a River thing to say. Um, you know, this episode wasn't really about her and her developments or whatever. But, like, I just thought it was all too perfect that she was thinking in the long term and in the big picture kind of thing. Like, not, I wonder if it's a girl or a boy. She's like, I yeah. wonder who this person is. Is, is it, it an accountant? Is it, yeah. a is it a lawyer? Yeah. A scientist? Right, yeah. Is it a it murderer? Hit <laughs> like, yeah. It hit me because when my daughter was born, you know, among the 1,000 questions I asked per day to my mother was, 
you know, how do I make her enjoy reading? And how do I give her a curiosity for books? And how do I, you know, make her crave knowledge and stuff? And she was like, she was like, your, your daughter will be who she will be. You just have to give her all of the tools to succeed. So it, like this episode just kept hitting me left and right, right in my heart. But that one in particular, yeah, who is that? Who I wonder who that is. And it's not that she's like, because there's a set number of people it could be. It's either Steve, Frank, or, you know, it's like, she, she's like, I'm so interested to know about this brand new life that I'm witnessing the start of. What a beautiful way for her to put that. Yeah, no, yeah. it was yeah, very cool. Uh, and mine... I don't remember the exact line. It's a little more comedic, I guess. Um, but it was when they're talking about going going to uh, answer the distress call. And Mal mm -hmm. is like, I wonder if the distress call is from somebody's loins. Yeah, is this distress in somebody's pants? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she I, just rolls her eyes, walks yeah, away. <laughs> I, liked, I liked that line a lot. Um, I liked that it's and i, I kind of had two as i guess as well but the the one where he's like yeah yeah my crew they're good folk and he looks at jane and jane says something stupid and he's like well that one's kind of horrific <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah what did he say it was when he was like well where where where, where do i start yeah right well that was kind of horrific <laughs> yeah those yeah. are i'm i don't know i always like the comedic lines though yep jane was icky this episode uh, very uh, yeah, my quote is when Mal is telling everybody about the different defenses they're setting up, their clotheslines and all of that. He goes, make sure you shoot the man. Don't shoot the horse. A dead horse is good cover. A live horse is a pile of panic. Yep. And it's it's like the kind of thing that you wouldn't really think about if you hadn't been in a war before or a, a battle before, right? You'd be like, well, I'm taking out their, you know, the guy that should be enough and they're like no like that's still a problem like I, I like that he had very little time to give them tidbits and that was one of the ones that came out and from then on the clothesline knocks all the people off the horses water book is shooting people off of their horses with his water gun like that is kind of how they went about it and yeah. Mal shoots the horse in um, Serenity in the pilot doesn't he he shoots uh, Patience's horse and she's trapped underneath it um, which right. could have gone could have gone horribly wrong, you know. Well said. <laughs> and he uses it to hold her at gunpoint because now she can't move. Yeah, it was it was very 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 well pointed out. Um, so for me, this one is, I uh, I don't know what the word is for it. So when he's cleaning the gun, right, and she walks up behind him, he goes, "Ah!" And she's yeah, she's like, "Okay, whatever." He's like, "No, no, it's." That's like a warrior, like a brah, like a brah, right? And then right before we cut to the theme song, Mal very seriously points the gun and very quietly says, Bwah. So that Bwah is my choice this week for Simon Says. <laughs> nice. Are you going to use that next time your wife makes you jump? <laughs> no, I'll... <laughs> Well, next I'll time I'm in the fridge do. in my underwear and Kylie comes out and goes, what are you doing? I'm going to look at her and go, wow. <laughs> in the fridge in your underwear. That was an you interesting You know, looking way. in the fridge that. for a freaking gallon yeah, no, of milk I, in my underwear. <laughs> I know what you're doing. It was just Sometimes a weird I find him in the middle of the night. Like, 
just in, in random closets, Josh, just waiting for her a... to open the door and me to go, wow. Josh, <laughs> he's real thin and like can be pretzeled very easily. So I'm thinking, okay, Josh and Kylie have a weird thing where she puts him in the fridge and then, you know, at midnight she's like, oh, how about a snack? And then it's this whole thing, but maybe that's not what you got. And I'm like, I got a <laughs> snack for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That was that was my fault. I set that up so that you could not. Yeah, you, know, you did. You. Um, you did. That's, it's all your fault. It's all your fault. No, it's good. I, I'm in charge, and I'm proud of what I did. So, um, I think with that, well, no, that definitely has to be my selection. It has to be the bois. That that definitely has. It's to like be it. it's like every now, time Kylie looks at me when I'm in the fridge, she goes, "Ooh, that's shiny." <laughs> I dig it. <laughs> I dig it. So, the other thing that I dig is every week when I sit down to watch Firefly, getting ready to talk about it with you guys, right as the episode starts up, I dim the lights, I put my sunglasses on, because the episode, Ricky D, is so shiny. <laughs> How shiny is it? I'd love to tell you how shiny it is right off the top, Ricky D, but that would be irresponsible of me. So what I'm going to do instead is have our guest David Black of Patreon.com slash Spatial Anomaly go first, and then we'll go with Ricky D, Josh and Kylie, and then it will be me last. So uh, I guess I'd give it an eight. Um, I still think it's probably the best thing that was on TV that week. Uh, I still think it's a brilliant episode of TV, but when I compare it to the rest of Firefly, it, it it's I don't love it as much, so I'm going to dip to an eight, which tells you what I think of the rest of the show. <laughs> dip all the way down to an eight. Yeah, I'm yeah. willing to. I will to bring to it that far. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hashtag. I like did. it. I don't remember who I asked to go next. Go ahead. Yeah, I uh, I'm going to give this one eight live horses out of ten. I'm going to go with the same one. Uh, this is probably my favorite episode. You get a lot of development uh, from just all the different extras that are on set. Uh, and just you're with the characters talking to people they'd never met before. And there's so many new characters in this episode that you get a lot more. So this is one's going to be my favorite episode. I can dig that. And it's solid, totally solid rating. Very respectable. Josh and Kylie, how are you guys feeling this week? Um, I think I'm going to go with... I feel like this was my last week's, um, God. Okay, so if this was my last week's, I was going to go with 8.5, but I like this one a little bit better. So let's go with a nine. Um, just because lots of emotions, I laughed. I, you know, I didn't shed a tear, but I was definitely pretty upset with Inara for, for a second there. And, um, but, you know, also impressed with, uh, what, what was her name? Nandi. Nandi. Nandi? Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so all around, I just thought it was, it was pretty solid. It was interesting. It was funny. Um, and I don't know, I guess I kind of been kind of gauging on how fun we've been having on our podcast shows. And I feel like this has been a pretty fun one. So nine. All right. I like your logic and your reasoning. <laughs> I really like Josh, that too. And if, if we're going to go by how much fun we're having on the podcast rating, I would rate it a nine. If we're going to go by how much I liked the episode in a whole, I'd go with 6.5. Oh. I, this is not my favorite episode at all. Okay. I was very unimpressed with this episode. There was just, it just, 
it was just kind of there for me. I liked it. There were some fun things, of course, yes. Um, but it was I, I can see why it never aired. Are you and sympathizing with that, Fox's but... choice to take it off of the run? I'm not sympathizing, I'm agreeing with their choice to take wow. it out. Strong words. <laughs> yeah. I, I I honestly if I had to choose one episode not to air, this would have been it. Mm. That's an interesting question that I'm not gonna ask anybody else because I would like people to keep listening to this show. So um Josh, given your given your two scores of very much enjoying yourself tonight and your score of having not a great episode. Do you want me to take your episode score or do you want me to average them to 7.5? You could average it to 7.5 for sure. Okay, I will. Um, if I, I, I'll, I'll add on to that too. The whole, uh, I know, I'm sorry guys. Mm-hmm. It has, I have to be the villain. Um, but it, this episode not airing and knowing that it didn't air and then having that huge bombshell of Inara leaving and then not even it just there was so much kind of wrong with this episode to me that like i don't know i guess we'll see in the season finale how i feel com- about this so that brings up a question I, I, so for josh and kylie this is the penultimate episode what what are you hoping for in a finale mm. God, you know, I am already kind of just anticipating some disappointment. Reverse. There's a, there's going to be, yeah, I want to say Reavers is probably Reverse. number one. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I kind of wanted to see Malin and Nara get together in the end, but I don't think that's going to happen now. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really do anticipate that I'm going to have a lot of questions and be pretty bummed after this next episode because it sounds to me like it's just going to end pretty abruptly. And yeah. So if that's the case, I'm actually a little bit upset that you have brought me to this opportunity. <laughs> it's because... it's going to be heartbreaking. That makes me expecting... so happy to hear. <laughs> I'm fully expecting a cliffhanger. Yeah, and then, and, and and then, then, then we know nothing is going to be And next. then I spend the next 20 years theorizing of what could have been, what been in season two. <laughs> the one that got away. Yeah. Um, but I, and I am... I, I'm not so, I'm sorry that you guys are upset about okay. my rating, but I'm not going to apologize about my rating because you just said you were sorry and then you're not going to apologize. What Josh <laughs> is trying sorry. to say is I'm he's sorry being that honest. You guys are upset. I am he's not sorry about honest. my about rating. What he said. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the point of having Josh and Kylie give their ratings is that we want to know what new people feel when they go through this show and their ups and downs that we all went through and stuff like that. I'm not nobody begrudges you your rating, Josh. The ladies just love the show, and they want every episode to be a 10, which is totally fair and understandable. They're not hating on you. And as I've Here's said thing, multiple though. times, I'm sure my rating will change once I watch this show right. again. So. And and all that having been said, and you know how much I love and respect you, and I've known you since we were six, you're 100% incorrect. This episode is 10 out of 10. It has everything you could possibly want in an episode of TV. It has guns. It has prostitutes. It has spaceships. It has horses. It has land speeders. It has love. It has tension. It has really evil bad guys that you can't wait to see get shot in the face. It has the payoff of getting to see evil bad guys shot in the face. It has people saving babies. It has characters with hearts of gold. There's so much about this episode that's so much fun. It has some moments where Jane gets to finally really just be Jane 
he gets to be 100% himself, and we meet somebody who appreciates who he is all the way around. They're not worried about the way he talks or the way that he spits. They think that what he does, the way he does it, is exactly correct. And I'm so happy that Jane got to have a moment of that. We get this moment where River is 100% cognizant and compassionate. She's here. She's experiencing this. She's helpful. She's providing assistance. She's making this girl calmer. She's actually the first one to notice what's happening in the room. Like, there's so much crammed into this episode before you even get to all of the backstory that it lays out. It lays out so much for Inara. Yes, it makes you, you know, have some questions. And of course it's going to because they're trying to set up a second season. Obviously you're watching it in isolation and there's nothing you can do about that. <clears throat> and it's not your fault. And that's why I don't, like I said, I don't hold it against you. But for me, it's like, I've heard you say before that context is worth some points for you, so that must mean that you really didn't like the episode, which is totally fair. But this episode is like the most lore-heavy, context-driven one that we've had for a couple of episodes, because we've been having a blast for the last two, three weeks with our episodes, right? But they haven't established a ton outside of, yes, Wash and Zoe are definitely loyal to each other, and we got some great character moments but there was nothing that's like oh here's the whole history of the crew and that sort of a thing so i think that really elevates this episode and just because of the stuff that i was saying before the shootout it's western it's it it does so many tropes but it does them in a fun way for me that makes it a 10 out of 10 obviously everybody is entitled to their own opinion and that's sort of the point of the are you talking the backstory rewatch. the backstory between inara and mal the story that we already knew that was going to happen that inara was in love with mal and that they liked each other and that no the backstory very... of inara the backstory of inara having been in a position to live a very comfortable life choosing not to i I feel like we already kind of established that though earlier in the season that she had left we had established her... it we had established that she didn't want to be with Atherton, but we okay. didn't really get any hints that it was like, because we know that she's better off than the rest of them, right? But we'd never seen somebody go, dude, no, she could have been like very important, high on the ladder. Like she could have had to not deal with any of this kind of stuff. But that on top of the development of that relationship, right? You get the the Mal and Inara relationship development here. Yes, it comes through the Nandy character, but you still get the next step in that relationship. And had there been a season two, right? Let's let's not pretend that Inara wouldn't like start missing Mal or need a hired gun at some point and they'd cross paths again. You know what I mean? Like it, it would have happened, right? I think one of my one of my <laughs> we just, biggest we were all... with this this episode, I wasn't emotionally attached, like like you know, you you were like last week to, I was very emotionally the, invested in that to episode. The girls. And it was absolutely a a 10 oh, for me I see what you're saying. because of just the, the way that it hit me and the way that it right. hits you is a lot different than the way that it hits me which I, I again right. it's just different life experiences and how it's reminding me of nothing you know yeah. I, I have nothing to draw and from on this right. episode so it's kind of like eh well and I hope that I hope that you never feel that like any of our listeners or viewers are like mad at you <laughs> like I really hope that that never makes you feel uncomfortable because even if it wouldn't bother you even if it wouldn't bother you i know that they don't feel that way they're all very yeah no, and it, and it, it doesn't bother me at all i'm it, the reason we do this podcast is to not all agree with each other 
<laughs> so, and there are plenty of so, things that we don't on that note. With, so it's great. On that note, if I haven't done the math incorrectly, which is entirely possible, that means that the sudden but inevitable rewatch gives episode 13, Heart of Gold, an 8.5 out of 10. Pretty respectable. Pretty respectable rating. And I will point out, as I have the past couple weeks, the second half of the series, our ratings have been significantly higher than the, well, not than the entire first half of the series. But once we got through those first five episodes, I think everything past that has been a 7.5 or above. So this is like kind of, this is the meat, right? This is the best part of Firefly. We're getting into all of the this chunk of great episodes. And then it's going to end and we're going to get the movie. On that note, I'm going to do some really quick housekeeping right here. Right now what we have planned is next week we're going to meet back here at our regular time 8 p.m. Mountain. It's going to be me, Josh Kiley, and Ricky D. Going to go just the crew for the last episode, okay? And then we're going to take one week break just to give everybody some breathing room and some time to digest and all that stuff. Then we're going to come back with one or two episodes covering the movie Serenity. The format of those hasn't been finalized. It will be finalized next week, and we'll explain everything to you guys, and I think you're going to be really, really excited because I'm really excited, and I think I think it's going to be a really good time. So keep your eyes and ears open for that. One other thing to keep your eyes and ears open is Season 2 of the Sudden But Inevitable Rewatch is going to happen. This is kind of our first official note, okay? I'm still not going to reveal anything beyond that it is happening, and we are going to be taking a bit of a break between this show and that show. So after we drop our episodes on the Serenity movie, we're going to be taking a bit of a break until the start of June, and then we will start covering our next property. And you will know about that. You'll be able to find me and possibly Jesse talking about some Star Wars throughout the month of May. <laughs> oh, yes, it's not that it's it's not that no podcasts are coming out in May. It's that sudden but inevitable will be on a brief hiatus in May. That's all that we're saying. The network so, has way too many shows. <laughs> it would be impossible. So definitely be sure that you're followed up at sudden but on Twitter at sudden but inevitable podcast on Instagram facebook.com slash twistmyarmpodcast or just go to twistmyarmpodcast.com to get everything in one place and you will be up to date and ready to go when everything starts going down. Now, if you've listened before, you know that what we like to do here is a little thing that we call the sudden but inevitable shout out. Of course, there is no possible way I could start the sudden but inevitable shout out this week without mentioning it goes down in the PM. On Twitter, the handle is at it go down in the PM. This is the handle for the podcast, It Goes Down in the PM, which the host herself describes as, Hi there, I am a media executive who also happens to be a woman and a mom. Tune in to see what really goes down in the PM when the clock strikes one o'clock. I have heard from several fellow podcasting moms or additional podcasting moms, I'm not a mom, that they know exactly what one o'clock is and that this is a show you should check out. Beyond that, It Goes Down in the PM is running this weekly independent podcast contest. And that is the contest that we keep referring to when we say that we are now the award-winning Sudden But Inevitable Rewatch. The amount of exposure and help that that gives to independent podcasts like us who 
again, we're not being paid. We're not making money. We're doing this because we love it and because we love you guys and because you guys are supporting us. That's why we do it. This is the kind of account and the kind of person that we have just been so lucky lucky to be in touch with since we started our show because she is doing this every week, you guys. She's helping podcasts get noticed every single week. And if you know anything about us, you know that there's a ton of us out there. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Huge shout out to It Goes Down in the PM, her podcast, and her podcast contest. And the last part of mine this week is going to go out to, sorry, I have two more. This one's going to go out to at popcorn isn't real for being follower number 400 for us on Twitter. Deeply appreciate that. And then my last one is going to go to at cheap seat cast on Twitter. This is the cheap seat reviews guys. You know them. Sean was on our show. I was on their show. I went on to talk about road to perdition. Please go download that episode. It is very, very fun to listen to Ricky D. Would you like to jump in here? I just wanted to mention that I will be on the cheap seat podcast in a couple of weeks. Uh, and what are you guys discussing? Give me just a minute. We are going to be watching Molly's Game. It's a movie from Ooh. 2017. I never actually heard anything about it when it came out. Uh, directed by Aaron Sorkin, starring Jessica Chastain, Idris Elba, Kevin Costner. I kind of hate Kevin Costner. But uh, <laughs> it's got really high ratings. And I'm definitely willing to give it a shot. Very cool. Uh, it sounds like it's based on a true story. So, yeah, definitely check out Cheap Seat Reviews. Those guys, they're just, they're so much fun. They're very genuine guys, very uh, amiable, easy to hang out with, so easy to talk to. I had a blast. Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. You're going to have a blast when you go on Cheap yeah, Seat And Reviews. I, I, guarantee I that. do want to say I listened to Jesse's episode on that. Jesse did a very good job of representing us. I think he was very good on that podcast. So, I don't usually double up on what was, Jesse says, but you should show. go listen to his episode of the Cheap Seat Reviews. Uh, he's wow. got a lot of good stuff to say. And Thank usually you, I'm a very sarcastic person, but yeah, I'm very kidding. genuine I'm, about all I'm of that. trying to figure out if you're being serious or not. No, totally no, genuine. I appreciate that, Ricky. I appreciate that, my friend. Um, Josh, do you have uh, anybody this week for your sudden but inevitable shout-out? Yes, I have two. Um, the first one goes out to uh, an old friend of mine. I might have talked about him a, a couple times on the show, but um, he's uh, one of my oldest influencers when it comes to doing a podcast. Um, one of a guy that I knew 15 years ago um, that one day started the podcast and made me realize, hey, I could probably do that too. Um, he is from the Grolix podcast. I just shared them today on Twitter. Um, G-R-A-W-L-I-X podcast, um, and that's at Grawlix podcast. Check them out. Follow them. They do live shows um, every week. They have new episodes coming out all the time. Um, they're a lot of fun, and they're way nerdier than any of us. <laughs> they are what? nuts. Yes. Hardcore. Um, like like super hardcore. I think I think some of these dudes would give us a run for our money, even on our favorite subjects. So I... I I respect the hell out of them, and um, I just want to give them a shout-out for being awesome and being kind of an influence for me. I also want to shout-out um, the Beard Owl podcast. We just interviewed yeah. Lauren from the Beard Owl podcast last night. Um, that episode will be coming out Tuesday. We had so much fun talking about beer and Weird Al and what it's like in Florida 
and all sorts of stuff. So it's it's beard, not beard. Yeah, exactly. B e e r d a l podcast. Beard Al podcast. It's like Weird Al, but with a beer, and it's it's a lot of fun. If you haven't listened to their show, I binged probably six or seven of their episodes yesterday, and I had so much fun listening to them. So if you ever, you know, if you're looking, for, yeah, if you're looking for something new and something that's like fresh and not something that everyone is doing, you know, everyone's got yeah. a review show, everyone's got a pop culture show, everyone's got something but this is a, a, a unique podcast truly that I feel like a lot of people should check out um and if you you know if you're more interested check out our episode on tuesday on the twist my arm network um it'll it'll be there with our interview yeah so if you're a podcast listener to sudden but inevitable rewatch that will be out tomorrow for you that's what true i'm that? sorry yeah you just I'm got for you a nice little that. tidbit it's okay. This is the only show I know the release date of. For the live people <laughs> watching right now, though, it'll be coming yes. out on Tuesday. And anyone that's listening to this, you got to join us on the live shows. We have so much fun with in the chat room and stuff. Like, if you're not, if you're listening on a on a recorded podcast, you're missing out. You, you gotta you gotta get here on the Friday nights and hang out with us because we love mm-hmm. having you on and we love talking to all of our friends that are in the chat. So. I will point out the podcast is the only place that you get our perfect award-winning theme song. So let me just say that now. Um, but the video is we, the only time you get our perfect award-winning faces. That's true. Well, we're also on Instagram, I don't but yes, true. good point, Josh. Good point. <laughs> I am not on so, Instagram, so yes. come here to see me. So. Kylie's not even on Twitter, so. Nope. David Black of patreon.com slash spatial anomaly. Let me just say, I am thrilled to have had you back. I am thrilled to have had you the first time. I am so grateful that you have blessed us with your presence. You make our show sound so much smarter than it is. I put you in our first mid-roll ad at the very end. I said, and then there's some guests. And then we have you saying she's dressed like a princess. And I was like, this is going to sell our show. And let me tell you, it did. Because the rest of us, this is how we sound. You, my friend, you bring the sophistication. And we appreciate the hell out of that. You David, if you people... Uh, I... I promise you the pleasure has been a hundred percent ours if people would like to get a hold of you online david what is the easiest way for them to do that where's all the places we can find you so i'm on uh twitter uh as spatial anomaly one uh to distinguish me from all the other spatial anomalies uh i'm on there as dave tweeted this as well which is my personal one Uh, and then the patreon is um spatial anomaly and uh I'm working my way through Firefly as well. Uh, I've I've just finished uh, the show, and now I'm working my working my way through the Artam sessions, then onto the movie, uh, and then onto the comics as well. So I'm I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep going with this. So, um, but uh, in addition to working on uh, on that, I'm gonna try and do another. Um, TV show alongside it. So uh, if you sign up in the next couple of weeks, you get to vote to see which show it is that we sh- I should be um, writing about. Very so yeah, cool. by all means, uh, let me know. You know what I just realized, David? 
the sun is coming up where you are. Isn't yeah, it? I know. Look at this. This is, dawn. <laughs> this is the dawn. That's the sun that was over you yesterday. Yeah. That's so crazy. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I can't guys... see me at all. I don't know if you can, but yeah. No, do you guys remember when we used to do it at this time every week? How I do. Look at how that? look at how beautiful that is. In, That's pretty in your, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the TARDIS is actually exploding. I love it. Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, I was like, before why does he we wrap everything up, it's oh. lens flare. Lens flare. <laughs> yeah. It's the future where he is. Um, before we wrap everything up, let me just really quickly say. Thank you to Shepherd Rosie. Thank you to Shepherd Saxon. Thank you to Shepherd Callie. Thank you, Rona, for being here. Thank you to Roy, the intrepid DM, for being here live with us in the chat. Thank you to all of you beautiful, wonderful brown coats out there who watch and listen. However, you get a hold of us, I love you. And we wouldn't be an award winning podcast without you, but we have you, so we are an award winning podcast. If you would like, you can follow us on Twitter at SuddenButt. You can get a hold of us on Instagram at Sudden But Inevitable Podcast. You can follow us on Facebook.com slash Podcast. Josh, go ahead and hit that music. If you'd like to get everything all in one place, you can go to twistmyarmpodcast.com slash SBI. So, this week, I have been Jesse. <laughs> Sorry, I'm David. This is Ricky. <laughs> I'm Kylie again. I'm Josh, I guess. <laughs> Josh. Take us out of the world. As a woman, please no. uh, fill my ignorant ass in. No, no.